<risa> ¿Y ok? Ya, yeah, ok. Hola. <risa> We are making love. Mm. Yeah, because love is everything that we do. Mm. <risa> Voy a llamar nuestro amigo. Okay. Mi primero amigo de Ecuador. ¿Qué tal? Yes. ¿Qué tal? He like a friend. No, ¿qué tal? You were laughing. ¿Cómo no, se dice laughing? Riendo. ¿Eh? Riendo. ¿Eh? Riendo. 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 Yeah, I laugh because I remember Warden, and he's a funny guy. Very funny guy. His name is Warden, though. A Warden. I don't know why you're calling him another name. Because I had a dream that reveals me the essence of some people, and his essence is that. Is what? His essence is his real name. <laughs> no. Have you had a dream that reveals the essence of me? I was just making it up. Ah, come on. That's not fun. <laughs> you gotta stick with it. I believed in your lie. Yeah, okay. I have had dreams where I dream with your essence. <sighs> Amazing. Yes. Anyway, we'll call Warden. Okay. Seven twenty-seven p.m. Raymond. Hello, sir. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. I'm washing dishes. Let me know if it's uh, too loud. It sounds like you? a tranquil stream in the background. It sounds nice. I'm good. It wasn't on. Now it's back to <laughs> Ah, okay. Uh, Oh, yeah, maybe it's a little loud. Yeah, I'm good, man. And by good, I mean terrible, but I'm going to Loja tomorrow, leaving Vilca for a few weeks because they're closing my road. Is it finally getting paved, or is there something else going on? Yeah, this is the final push to birth the baby of a paved road. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's like a lot it of these... Sucks. A lot of these changes here, like the paved road and the gas station, are very nice and convenient, but also kind of turn this place into what I was trying to leave. So we'll see. It might it'll be good to sell it, though, if I do. It'll go up in value. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you're keto bound in a month? Yeah, at the end of October. Yep, yep, yep. Sweet. Gonna, gonna be there 
I might go to Aloha first, like in that first week of November. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because my co-founders are going to come November 10th to 20th. So these guys are going to, the shuffle dating crew is going to come. I think we might go to Badias, but they'll be in Quito. I don't think we'll go to Boca or Aloha, so I have to decide if I'm going to go before or after that. Um, damn, that was a little hard to follow. Maybe just because I'm high. But <laughs> what's the deal? You might come in the first week of November to Aloha because your co-founders are doing something. My co-founders are going to come visit Ecuador. Yeah. And they're going to come fly, fly into Quito. Is that just because you're in this with them, so they want to get to know Ecuador out of curiosity, or might the venture we hired, expand? We have three engineers um, from Ecuador and two customer service people. So just meeting their team also, mostly that. Oh, okay. Cool. How is Portland still? It sounded like mixed reviews last time we talked. It's a nice place. It's just like not a big city and uh, it's the Midwest of the West Coast. <laughs> huh. Yeah, with a lot more hipsters. It's hipster barista town. People are just kind of doing their normal life stuff. <laughs> like it's uh, not quite what I've seen. Yeah, man, I hate places where people are doing their normal life stuff. Like New York or something has more ambitious people, I don't know. I would have said that in the past, now I don't know. It's simultaneously, like, that's a more stressful environment, but I also feel like it's more interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Local Bomb is too interesting. I kind of want to just not come back. Yeah. Um, what's the status of your relationship? Are you going to stay with the relationship here in uh, Yeah, we're together. We're taking this trip together. I think as long as we go to a Yampe, we'll be fine. I meant to say as long as we don't go to a Yampe. Did I say that or did I say as long as we go? Oh. <laughs> yeah, as long as we don't go there. We might go to the beach in Peru. That sounds nice. <clears throat> no. Oh man, what are we waiting for? Just drive that truck down there. Yeah, we might, we might. We wouldn't be able to do much I like we wouldn't be able to go everywhere in Peru that we would like, but it might be a good way to spend this time. I just gotta make sure, make sure I'm still fulfilling everything I need to for this permanent visa.
plan yet. So I could stay in Ecuador. Yeah. Could move somewhere else in the US. I don't know. That's where the, the thoughts around I mean, there's no mystery though around the question of how long you can stay. Like, that's the rule half a year. So, is it just you thinking that you're going to want to be other places more than half a year?
very good at finding a girl in life. I was just thinking, I saw this girl, and uh, she was telling me about her Dungeons and Dragons adventures. <laughs> and there, do you know how they like chaotic attributes, like chaotic evil or chaotic good? Um, her character was chaotic stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, and what is this? What assigns the characters? I don't know. Dungeons and Dragons is like this made up. You just like talk with a bunch of adults and pretend you're in a magical world. Um, so she's telling me she's chaotic, stupid, and that uh, she sent her her magical falcon to like go attack the enemy, but she forgot that they were all underwater, and so her falcon died. <laughs> wow, sounds like she's lived up to the chaotic stupid. What is so funny? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. You're getting me high over here. Secondhand high? I probably am. That's what happens. Well, no, you did smoke with me at that time. But you got so high. Oh, bro, it's easy. Easy. That's great. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. That's uh, I think that's actually a thing. Like the the more you like, well, like, yeah, that's also just a thing with smoking all the time. You just integrate it into your ways. But also, I, I know with booze, like if you get drunk more easily, you're less prone to addiction. I think it's probably true with other things. Exactly. Your body would like more naturally regret it. I mean, or reject it. Yeah, I think that's just my whole like next goal. Yeah, and so that's good though because it doesn't mess your life up that way. Focus and addiction that doesn't interfere with too much else as long as you don't lose huge. It's like chess, it's like an activity that just you know. Yeah, maybe I should maybe I should live stream chess. That could be a good replacement addiction. Uh, dog's good. I told you he got skunked, right? Yeah, so the smell's almost gone. That's good, and it'll be fun to travel with him. What? That sounds terrible. Yeah, it was rough. It was not fun. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, you didn't have a problem in the picture. I didn't have one. Anyway, what? Oof, Mercury must be in retrograde. Um, I didn't have what in the picture. You you didn't look uh, happy with this with the odors in the picture. Yeah, no, I wasn't happy. wasn't happy at all. Um, was so in your oh, go ahead. Oh my goodness, the flow. Why can't we flow? <laughs> <laughs> because probably because. Uh, you're in the U.S. That is one potential thing. 
Uh, probably because of me. So I'm taking responsibility for everything. It's all my fault. And we haven't we haven't talked enough recently. We're, yeah, uh, we're reconnecting our energies. <laughs> yeah, the quantum entanglement has to recalibrate. It has been a while, I guess, just because we you've been there. I mean. This, uh, this podcast, I feel, is a really good mechanism for you to keep in touch with um, Leo. Leo, yeah, for sure. We probably would have struggled. We probably wouldn't really be talking much now if not for it. So grateful for that. It's yeah, also a good... You and I don't have a similar thing. Huh? We don't have a similar mechanism. Well... Maybe we do now. You can uh, become a regular. <laughs> I should say, is the co-host position opening up? <laughs> no. Oh, who knows? I don't think so. But Leo seems pretty bored with the whole thing, which is understandable. So we gotta, yeah, we we gotta recalibrate the podcast, and then come back, guns a blazing. subscriber and I would subscribe to a chess stream for sure chess stream yeah that would be that might be like a good thing to do I don't know who knows who is going to be president in 2024 oh interesting question this Vivek guy is really making waves according to Vivek excuse me uh huh. The, the all in pod is uh, very bullish on Vivek. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I don't I haven't heard him speak or anything. I just have seen the name. But you think the Republicans will win? Well, you you haven't seen um how he's like number two now, like behind Trump. Oh, he's ahead of DeSantis. According to. I think it was last Friday they maybe said this. I don't know. I just listened to all in podcasts. So this is like a quaternary source. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're saying um, like the MAGA base. Uh, this is all just like, yeah, I'm just going to quote you like fifth hand analysis. So they say the major thing, a couple major things in the election. One is like foreign involvement in wars and stuff when our country kind of should be focusing on itself and like deficit and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And all of the candidates apparently like don't say this except for like Trump, Vivek, and someone else, RFK or something. I don't know. Basically, uh -huh. I, I'm not sure, but my understanding of the current situation is like Biden will be the Democratic candidate if he doesn't die before then <laughs> and um, <laughs> I saw that like, Michelle Obama is uh, being uh, like there's speculation that she'll announce a run yeah that'd be exciting I mean I'm down for anything that's not over 80 <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so depressing Trump versus Biden again would be you know the end of democracy probably Yeah. Which is probably going to happen regardless, so makes sense. 
RFK would be sweet, but it seems like he has no chance. Who knows? Yeah, he just seems... Uh, uh, I mean, me personally, I would like anything different. So yeah, RFK would be great. Michelle Obama could be great. I'm not sure who would slash spending the most. That would probably be my... Like, if I was in this office, I would definitely be trying to slash some spend. Like, yeah. when I worked in the Department of Education, we paid $60,000 a year to a vendor. 60000 a year who built a very simple, basically what could have been a Google form, just like an input form. <laughs> wow. People are like, for compliance and security reasons, we got to blah, blah. So over the course of four years, it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars to some random company that like has a little tiny website. If Google would do it more securely and free. Why would you just not have Google Form here? And it's just stupid. So like all this kind of spending, and then the people who ran this program, oh my God, I hope I'm never identified in this podcast. But <laughs> ran this program with the Department of Education. Two people full time making six figure salaries, literally doing nothing all year. My God. Yeah, a lot of inefficiency, it sounds like. Well, it's digging our the the US is like racking up debt, like Well of course, yeah. I mean, but I think it's already off the rails, you know. You're talking about austerity with a long term view that doesn't include the chaos I project. I mean, all things equal, I would rather have more, like a surplus. Like, of course, of course, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I just think the train has run off the rails already. It's really hard to see how any candidate can even deal with... There's just so many agencies and people. Yeah, it's a bloated, dying behemoth. It's the fall of the Roman Empire. In some form, I don't know how dramatic it will be necessarily. And there is this interesting perspective of like relative to other countries. The U.S. is still like relatively a better place to or more stable ish place. Like even though things go off the rails, like yeah, people still want to go there, and it'll kind of have a position of leverage over other countries. So kind of like the last place that will actually collapse, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I do see that point. Leo thinks it's going to be number one forever based on geography, which is actually, there's a point there. The geography is ridiculously good compared to every other country. But I think if it's, it's super deeply embedded in the structures that I think are unsustainable, like... Um, just a lot of how cities and economies today function and medicine medicine is so expensive dude I want to go back to Ecuador and do a <laughs> dentist yeah but it's probably better that specifically is probably better there nah nah dude Loja is great dentist you have a dentist I highly recommend Sergio to Curry. I did have a dentist. She did a phrenectomy for me and a cleaning. And now I'm going to see this woman here in Vilca, if I stay in Vilca, which is 
big question. How big of a question? You know, like... Or, uh, I'm sorry. How, how pressing of a... <laughs> like, how quickly would you potentially, like, go somewhere else? Realistically, probably not that fast because my mom and sister are visiting in December. I have a house here. Um, you know, Jack, we got to take care of him and don't want to just be on the road with him for a long time. He's been very, uh, yeah, big life changer, like I've mentioned. For you? Yeah, I can't just go wherever my whims take me with wild abandon. No more are the days of, you know, coming to join you in Loja for a whole day and then driving around debaucherously. Is this good or bad? It's good. It's good. It's growing up. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Like, if I end up somewhere in December and decide to get a lease for a year, commit to a place, the dog would actually anchor me and force me to commit to that place more than (laughs) the lease. Right. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, but man, where to anchor in this world? It's tough. I kind of want to go to Yangana, just go to the land and uh, make uh, make more moves there sooner. We'll see. Pitch a tent, my friend. Bathe in the streams of the bountiful waters. I could. I mean, there is actually like a shabby house there, so I could fix that up and... But, dude, there's just so much to do. So, yeah, realistically, I'm not going to be able to move as fast as I keep wanting to. Um, i got to build a road and water systems, power systems, everything there. Whoa. K-Tel. You got this. (laughs) Sure, we'll see. But thank you. speak at my friend's wedding um, in a couple weeks. Oh, wow. That's cool. As the reception, as the, what's it called? Practice dinner. uh, (laughs) It's not a real speech. Oh, the rehearsal dinner speech? Yeah. Hey, man, that's that's big stuff. I mean, I went to my friend's wedding last year, and his dad didn't even speak on the wedding day. It was relegated to the rehearsal dinner. So you're like a dad. Dad status. We'll see. We'll see how Greenville, South Carolina is. Yeah, I'm curious to hear. I keep getting it mixed up with Greenwood because my sister's going to Greenwood, South Carolina. Mm, don't get it confused with Greenville, North Carolina either. <laughs> yeah, so there's too much green in the Carolinas. It's like how every street is peach tree in Atlanta. I think there are 108 peach tree somethings in Atlanta. But I can't, I don't think I can do the U.S. I think it's got to be Ecuador, and so we'll see. Maybe I'll just go hike Chimborazo and live up there. (laughs) Chimborazo. 
feel like not enough people hike that guy. Yeah, it's the... All in it for Cotopaxi. Chimborazo is the highest, the, the furthest, farthest point from the center of the earth. Yeah. It's just not uh, as tourist. Uh, is it just too tall? Is it too cold? Um, I don't really know. I mean, the Himalayas are more popular. They're taller relative to the surface of the earth. We talked about this, but yeah, it seems like Ecuador in general is undervalued touristically. Okay, yeah, this place is like very snowy. It has a glacier on it. I don't think you need special gear to hike it. Maybe you do. I thought it was just a trek you could do without, you know, a lot of expertise. These people have helmets on the YouTube uh, thumbnails. <laughs> hmm. And snow pants. Are, they look very warm. <laughs> this is scary. You got this. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'll put some brandy on Jack's neck. Seems less scary than regular life. And speaking of which, five minutes until the therapy session, probably time for any final words you have on air. I think it's going to be a long time before we record anything more because I still don't have a mic. Okay. Pleasure to, uh, to speak with you. Are you going to participate in, in the, the therapy? No, this is just her regular therapy. Cool. Yeah. Do you get some notes into it, or do you just go elsewhere? Yeah, dude, I uh, I wire in and listen to everything. No, <laughs> I give her space. I don't know. It sounds like there's some collaboration. Maybe the collaboration is just she's using your computer. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. This is the office house and the and her house that she's living in now. So that's why. And it's the only place with Wi-Fi. Right. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. But um, I want you to leave the audience with an inspirational message because it could be the last positive thing they hear from us for a long time. Oh, audience. Every day is a blessing. Um, reading this book on Zen and there's something to be said for, <laughs> you know, not striving. Just do it. Just do. Just, just breathe. Do. Just, have, just have a tea. Do tea. Zen. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on and for being a friend in these times. Yeah, hope to see you soon. Hasta luego. Hope the same. Ciao. See you. So I'll get out of here. In a second.
I'm sorry, love. It's okay. Buenos dias. Monday morning, Thursday morning energy. Yes. It's Here excellent. We are. You should know that this call is being recorded for consciousness porn purposes. <laughs> excellent. How was your night of wild dating? Um, or consulting about dating? some new team members uh went really smoothly they're pretty sharp mm -hmm. um, so yeah i'm really happy um it's what also roles? like so much more. what new roles it's a, an operations associate which is our title for customer support mm -hmm. like someone who runs the events and responds to emails and calls people that are on site to Basically, people say like, oh, I can't find my date. Yeah. Um, and you had to do say, that once, right? Yeah, I still do it. Um, but the goal is for me to never do it. Yeah. <laughs> these people do it. Yeah, cool. I'm just the boss man. Yeah, boss man, warden. Thanks. Yeah, it's hard because it involves a lot of like spreadsheet manipulation. So people have to be good at copying and pasting and not like have our spreadsheets. That sounds like a great job. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of direct customer feedback. So people are like, thanks for helping me date. I'm so happy now. Yeah, I mean, what you were saying about you hearing all the good reviews being fulfilling, that sounds like what you're looking for in any job. Yeah, one guy was like, I don't know if you guys saw, but I posted on Reddit and we got a ton of organic traffic from that. No. That's great. Yeah, I like 300 upvotes. It was big. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like it's the good of technology bringing people together without the trappings. Mm -hmm. So I believe in it. I believe in it insofar as I believe in anything. Thank you. <sighs> what do you think is the safest investment? Investment. Okay. Yeah. So asset. What, what asset is the safest? It's actually really interesting. I don't know. Um, what's his name would say Bitcoin is the most like durable form of property. Um, what's his name? Who? Sailor, uh, Sailor Moon. <laughs> Michael Sailor. Oh, I don't, I don't know a Michael Michael Sailor. Yeah, Sailor. S A Y L O R. CEO of MicroStrategy. This guy took his software company and then put all their like cash reserves into Bitcoin at an opportune moment. Wow. At the company X because their cash just went up. So they basically became a holding company for Bitcoin, even though they're <laughs> an enterprise software company, and he just proselytizes Bitcoin. 
Wow. Yeah, but he has this really, this really good uh, argument actually, which kind of was convincing to me. Which said, um, like real estate, right, is traditionally the most like durable form of property, and Manhattan is a good example of extremely valuable real estate because Manhattan is basically an unsinkable. Well, I guess the sea level is a question mark, but like it's a giant rock. It's like very firm bedrock, right? Like unlike my property in Ecuador, which. Is uh, <laughs> prone to sliding into the abyss. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a good chunk of real estate. That's um, it's just it's hard to do better than that. Like human institutions can be fragile. Um, I guess you have to depend on the government to kind of protect your right to the land. But basically, Bitcoin doesn't have these restrictions where you don't have geo- like it's distributed across various geographies, so you actually are protected against like. A lot of things um, by the by virtue of, of computers in every country in the mm-hmm. network, and then and it's not dependent on that government necessarily. So it's actually it might be might be Bitcoin. I'm not sure. Um, I, I was trying to go existential, like believe in yourself or your spirit or something, like invest in yourself. But um, well, what will happen with the price of Bitcoin when central bank backed digital currencies come? I mean, I'm not talking about like the price, right? I'm talking about like the concept of this asset. So the the nebulous concept of a cryptocurrency or an alternative currency. A distributed. Oh, with blockchain technology. I mean, I don't know if you need the blockchain, but that seems to be the way to to like provide the most robust security guarantees that we have available. I think it's yeah, possible that the price goes to like zero though, when the governments are just doing their own digital currencies because Bitcoin is going to attract like crime. So it could easily be cracked down on also. I mean, it already does, right? And the crackdowns occur. So, uh, it's used a lot in Vilcabamba, though. I mean, the whole premise of of Bitcoin is like get away from the governments. Uh, yeah, centralization is not the move. Yeah, but I don't really know. Maybe if it's implemented properly, like. You're right. Like, if all of the individual countries create, like, kind of put their citizenry on a digital platform, and then they, like, there's a way governments could bootstrap things, but it's just kind of dubious to me that uh, governments are capable of coordinating um, and like doing things properly. <laughs> I mean, they coordinated very in lockstep the last few years. Look, man, I worked in the Department of Education, which, granted, is maybe not the most sophisticated department, but it speaks to... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's totally different, though. I'm talking about, like, the very upper edges of government, the decision makers. No, but they're same. I mean, this is, like, part of the White House. So, like, I worked as part of the White House, and the... the, um, the computer systems to like send email 
literally like took three minutes to load like an Outlook client on like a modern like Intel i7 chip. Like it wasn't the the hardware was fast, their software was terrible, and we paid sixty thousand dollars a year to a vendor to basically make us a worse version of Google Forms. Mm-hmm. Like a hard coded like here, here are these questions, fill out this form with these text boxes. And it was like for security purposes, we're paying this person sixty thousand a year. And Google Forms would have just been free and much better. Like Yeah. I mean terribly What's yeah. your point though? Like it's uh is that supposed to refute that governments could make these currencies and send cryptocurrencies to zero? Yes, I think like it's a complicated enough thing. Um, and we can barely like measure our like CPI, like our like our understanding of economics. The government's understanding of the economy and like the ability to use technology um, and like touch capitalism. Like anytime the public sector gets involved, it just sucks. So like governments are just bad at this. Mm, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they are purported to be coming. But like, wouldn't the government or like the Federal Reserve or whoever, like, I don't know what agency actually would do this or the central bank, whatever. Like, wouldn't these people, if they were actually so tech forward that they could bootstrap a digital currency I mean, you're, better than Bitcoin? You're making like, a lot of assumptions about their competence based on the, the least competent 80% of government workers that you've had exposure to. Like, there could be these capabilities in certain parts of the government. But, I'm, but that's my point is, if that existed, and if it existed and, like, was powerful enough that have like a strong institution right mm-hmm. that is uh, has been developing over the course of whatever a couple decades um, like there's just so many examples of stuff like where's the evidence of that like i just see no evidence like healthcare.gov was a terrible thing like our cpi response to like inflation and all the money printing mm-hmm. like there's no real measurements of the economy Mm-hmm. That the so you, provide a basket of goods. It's like terribly. Like if they were competent, they would use that competency to like do things. Like the way Google uses their AI in DeepMind is they like apply it to Google Translate. They apply it to all their products. Like our government doesn't have a core competence that is applied across products that we see. And and I think that if they but they could just work with like, say Google. The government can just say like contract any company at once to do the technological work. Exactly, but that contracting process is highly flawed, as I just like mentioned. Right. I also worked in Northrop Grumman, which is a military contractor, and the way that military contracts work just leads to all this like corruption and overspending. Okay. I mean, you could be right. I doubt it. But you, your thesis is they will never successfully implement central bank digital currencies? Not never, but like, I think a shift would have to occur in combination with like the decay of the U.S. as an institution. Like, Okay. You don't thing. think the U.S. is decaying as an institution? No, it is. But it would have to, like, I think in order for the U.S. to do better um, and to improve from its current like track, which... I think you and I see it on different timescales. Like, you think it could be, you know, any given month or whatever that like things collapse. But I think.
think just it'll take a century, but the U.S. is going downhill. Um, I think there are phases. I think I'm somewhere in between the two you just mentioned. Like, I think anywhere okay. in the next 15 years. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's that fast, but, uh, like, I think there's a lot of inertia. But basically, the inertia... Yeah, but, like, here's the thing. Like, inertia matters if you're taking a train, stopping it, and then making it go the other direction. But what if it's just going off a cliff? How long did it take with Rome? I think that you can have... It's a combination of top-down and bottom-up, like, institutional improvements and, like, competent people and basically getting rid of all these, like, stupid middle managers, basically, in the government. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could have an effective institution for sure. And there needs to be like more pride and more like competent people in the public sector. Yeah. Theoretically, Um, but you're talking about reversing the momentum. What I'm saying is it's off the rails. Like, I don't think there's any fixing something so big. Yeah. I think it's really, really hard and it's unlikely, but, um, if, so like, I think that is the larger change to me that would need to happen in order for some squad within the government to be effective. Like the reason I don't think 9-11 was an inside job and that like the moon landing wasn't a hoax is because the government's just not competent enough to pull off like these kind of sophisticated things without like a leak or like some, like it, it's just. Okay. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about any of that stuff though. We're just talking about like the infrastructure sustainability and the need for alternatives and how fast things might fall apart. But the same thing applies to like a cryptocurrency, right? It's a, it's yeah, a project. It's a, theoretically. A project. Yeah. I mean, I think cryptocurrency is obviously a, a bet that a lot of people who think along the lines I think are making, but I'm not making it personally. But second to crypto, yeah. second to alternative currency, you think land? Yeah, we, we can go off this. I just want to finish the point. Is basically the government is not. I don't see evidence that the government could effectively launch a consumer product, which is a currency, which is highly complicated and ties into economics in the private sector. Well, other than the one it already does, the dollar. You're saying a digital one. You don't believe in. I think it'd be very hard for our current government to do that. Like I don't see that capability evidenced. Yeah. Okay. Um, so second. So therefore, therefore, crypto. So second to crypto, um, maybe the U.S. dollar actually. Second actually to currencies. Second to currencies. You crazy. Like U.S. government bonds or something. <laughs> Okay, so land is the safest asset. What defines good land? Why is land better than like these things? It is the least impermanent of those things. It's not I going anywhere. You you trust you have to trust a government to like enforce the right to your land though, right? Or you could defend it yourself. Defend it yourself, yeah. Or you could have it be in a place that is like highly inaccessible or somehow like in the end, the question is like, can things be taken from you? Like, what is the risk that it can be lost? Yeah, that's the thing to consider. And governments do have eminent domain and could theoretically do that very easily in a developed country, less easily in a less developed country, and it depends on how you prepare. 
But what defines good land is my question to you. You don't follow my line of questioning. You keep trying to assert your U.S. values. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to answer this like question at, at the most fundamental level because it's actually a really interesting question. Like, what is a good asset? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the safest uh, asset. I'm not saying the best asset. I'm saying the safest. Sure. Okay. Um, I think good land will be maybe self-sustainable or something. Like you could have like a decent, right? Like climate plus access to water and like fertile soil yeah that's why it's so crazy to me how expensive real estate has gotten in some cities i mean not to say it's not warranted with like population and the stuff that's there but like the disparity between land prices here and new york or southern california is crazy i think that's that right that's proximity to other people yeah and schools i think like a, like a, it's the value of that community it's like yeah. the value of the market places of that community and its governance and its people yeah yeah so i see communities and the land around them as the most valuable totally safe asset Assuming they can be protected from a government, just taking it. Right. Interesting. Community. But it's got to be done right. I don't know that it ever has. It's hard to do. I mean, ideally, finding lands around other communities that are already there and then just like build more structures that can be integrated into those communities. We'll see, it's one step at a time. And hopefully you're more right than me because I could use time. Did you know the US military is in Ecuador? What are they doing? Patrolling the coast and the border with Colombia, I guess. It's a, Curve the gangs. Really? Yep. Noboa made a deal with the US. Who's Noboa? Every president? Yeah. When did he take office? I don't know if he even has taken office. He won just a couple weeks ago. I think the governments are sort of like entities that will keep going on and doing an okay job, but then new things will will have to take their place eventually. Yeah. Um, do you follow Ebology? Ebology? This guy, this guy, Ebology. Oh, Ebology. <laughs> no. Who was that? He was the former CTO of Coinbase. Oh, wow. Um, investor guy, crypto guy, and he has been talking a lot about the networks 
Oh, cool. What is it? Um, it's exactly, it's like the same principle that you're kind of going off of, which is there's a way, there's an alternative way to coordinate people. And um, there's an alternative way to like affiliate people and their values and their communities. Um, and basically, like the blockchain can help, but like it's the concept. It's not necessarily a specific thing. It's just the concept of like you start a, a new state, similar to the way that you start a company. Like you get a, like a handful of people interested, and then um, like those people tell their friends, and it's a good thing, and everyone kind of benefits, and you kind of govern yourselves. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. He, it's nice to hear him. He talks a lot, and it's really pleasant. <laughs> it sounds like something I'd be interested in. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds interesting. The I, thing that's interesting to me is it's actually like intelligible. A lot of people, for example, in in Bilkabamba, mm-hmm. aren't fully intelligible to me when they talk about this stuff. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's true. It's a combination of things, I think. I think a lot of people here are really loony, and I think you also like get tired of listening to it and put up filters, and then like some of it might make a little sense, or just like these people need to get together with these people, and it's possible. But there's also a lack of like getting things done energy in Vilcabamba. Right. Which is what I'm here to change. Yeah, dude. Um, do it. Yeah, paso a paso. My mom's got to come and we got to make the game plan. Is she um, involved in the community? What is her take? Is she like trying to be a real estate investor or a community seed? Uh, both and neither like uh, it's all one thing just part of this movement really it's like five six people are essential so far and then a few of those have pretty big teams so it'll be a lot of people coming together but yeah my mom wants to play a role like that she thinks this is a much better thing to do than investing in oil or pharma As do I. So I'm hoping that we can work together to use like leverage to hopefully get some of my resources untied. Cool. Dude, I never thought about this before, but you, it just struck me that the way that you uh, think and are like angling, um, like your desire, the way that you're pulled, I don't know how to describe it, but Ryman <laughs> is interested in playing infinite games. I think you are really like <laughs> you're motivated not by the, the finite game, but the infinite game, which is really beautiful. I like that. I didn't read enough of that book to know exactly what that means. What does that mean? Um, you are trying to build something beyond yourself, like recognizing that you're you know a mere mortal, mm-hmm. but like. You're, you're, you're trying to like cultivate 
a place that like your values and uh, the thing that went on beyond you, uh, I think, is where you're like, going with this. Right? Yeah, like, that's your one hundred percent. Yeah, and so that's like extremely like non-selfish in the purest way. Like, like what I'm doing is somewhat selfish with the company, right? Like, it's capitalism. It's like measured in revenue and salaries. Sure, you're a little self-interested, but there's just different layers of self-interested. I don't think it's like as distinct as you might think. Like selfless is selfish because that's fulfilling. because cryptocurrencies threaten their, uh, you know, the foundation of their, uh, yeah, their power. Right, so it's not born of a place of innovation and, like, the right, it's not an innovation. So it's just... Yeah, they're just huge... Central. What do you call... Uh, yeah, I agree. What do you, what do you call, like, uh, a gatekeeper who just charge charges rent? Like a rent collector? They're just rent collectors. Mm-hmm. Some economic term, just like they have a stranglehold over how things work now. So they're going to take everything they can from the people who need things to keep working that way. Yeah. Keep uh, rationing up taxes to pay them the debt that they've incurred by military spending for the last Yeah, and the military's here, bro. Who knows where it's going to be next year? Yeah. Yeah. What a world. 
do ketamine with him today? I think I won't. Excellent. Good for you. I don't know. It seems it seems interesting, but it's like it doesn't seem super medicinal. It's just like a chemical accidentally discovered in the '60s, and I, I haven't seen any videos of anyone doing it that it looks like that's someone I would want to be like. <laughs> I mean, I do agree, like, with any given drug, people get, like, really into it, and then there's a bad effect. But I don't know, mushrooms? The guy yeah, who's... That inspires me. He's, yeah, the other thing is, like, most people... Yeah, most people use them just to have fun, but some people do use them intentionally, and it does seem to help them. I mean, there's a dude at uh, a certain company. When I resigned, he's like, "Oh, I had no idea you you felt this way about this company." Like, you know, years ago, I found the solution for myself. It's just taking mushrooms. So it's like you are the worst person. (laughs) (laughs) That was just your filters. Have you seen the uh, fantastic world of fungi? Or Fantastic Fungi. It's a documentary on Netflix. No. It's a great documentary. It cured, mushrooms cured this guy, like, who couldn't speak. And then after he did a huge dose of mushrooms, he could talk. Yeah, I've heard, um, I've heard of these things, but, like, for, for me personally, it's just, I think... For me, it's a very problem-solution-based kind of approach. It says anything, like eating, exercise, like sleep. Like, what is the thing in my life that I want to improve? And then how can I find a tool that will help me get there? And so, like, if drugs ever enter, it would be fine. But, like, so far, I've never found something where I, I like, turn to um, these directions. And, and yeah. to your point, it's the same thing as, as this, like, you know, Bill Kabamba, people, like, the prejudice against them can blind us to, like, good ideas in the same way that, like, people hate Donald Trump, but, like, he did certain things that, in hindsight, seem okay. Um, well, you're just biased so, to see them in the context in which you've seen them, which is true. Like, a lot of people are lost and, like, looking for answers with these things, but it could just as easily be exploration and people opening up new parts of their mind and their self through them. Well, I just accept that like, I am biased against substances Mm -hmm. and I may be missing out, but on average, it seems that this is like a useful filter. In the same way, I don't use coupons, okay? It's like people will tell you, oh, you could be like, you know, using all these like credit card, whatever tricks and making thousands Mm -hmm. of dollars. Yeah, yeah. No, I just say no because on average it's not worth but maybe there's a time in my life like if I was actually like paying a if I was funding my own company through my savings and I had like no money like then I would turn to coupons or like if I you know lost my hearing and like couldn't get it back maybe I would try some mushrooms (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'd be interested to see Jack try mushrooms. Who's Jack? My dog. <laughs> um, maybe it would help him with his... Uh... Yeah, it might. It might help him stop killing. <laughs> if someone pointed out to me that I had a blind spot, like, oh, you shouldn't be murdering these people. Yeah. Like, that's a moral blind spot. Then I would definitely be open... Like, if I received enough feedback from the world, I think I would probably change my beliefs, but it's a pretty high threshold for me. And I guess for Jack, the nice thing is... <laughs> Infinite threshold slave, for Jack. Slave master. <laughs> he doesn't need to agitate. Yeah. Well, he also... He knows I don't want him killing things. He, he isn't perfectly... He hasn't learned that lesson. Does he know he's a bad dog? Like... Uh, like in the moment he will, like one time he went through some trash and I was like, Jack, who did that? And I pointed to it and then he looked down and then he ran a little bit away. Uh, so he definitely like felt it then, but he doesn't carry things like that. You know, it's like out of sight, out of mind. And then when he's seeing a dog, he's not thinking of me. Right. You gotta, you gotta program it in very strongly. I think at an early age. Yeah. Dogs. I got him at four and a half, so I'm just doing my best. Right. If you love him enough, you could have done Maybe it'll get through. <laughs> I will. I mean, I think it's only going to get better with age also. He'll mellow out. And he's gotten, like, he's had some good interactions with dogs. I think it'll get better with time. Does he have testicles? Yep. So he's not neutered. Correct. The source of the problem. There's a huge... I didn't notice this until I went to visit my friend who got married last month. Um, his dog is neutered, and it's like two years old. Mm -hmm. Super chill. Mm -hmm. And then other people had a dog two years old, similar like size, and just totally wild and rambunctious. Would not stop jumping. Like I think part of it is their, their training was maybe a little poor, but yeah. just the dog's like inherent personality was just so spastic and like aggressive, aggressively energetic. Yeah, it's a huge difference. And I don't agree with, you know, changing their life experience that much. But then again, I think all of dogs is a change in wolves, life experience, life experience. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. For you, like, you have, you know, land where a dog can, like, be a dog, whereas in this, like, apartment in, like, a city, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, bunch of, like, wild creatures does not belong there, in my opinion. Agreed, which is, yeah. This whole something about cities, like, whether it's good or bad, like, it's just, <laughs> why would you do, like, do that I to think this creature? I think the same applies for humans, bro. But you're uh, in the city. You have to find outlets for all that energy. Well, the thing is, we, we can like use our brains to kind of transmute it into like. That's true. Other. That's a good point. Yeah, that sucks for them. <laughs> they just have to physically do shit. Yeah, they have to just physically do shit. That's 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, run back and forth. <laughs> Dude, teaching a dog to do push-ups, that would be incredible. That would be awesome. <laughs> it would be cool if you did some Vidilka. I don't think I'll come to Quito, so if you, if you do come down, that'd be sweet. I'm going to lose internet in like four minutes. I probably should go and like write an email before I lose email. Uh, the, the dog, the, instead of a nightclub, okay, how about this dog exercise studio? Dog exercise studio, yeah, it's not your worst idea. You like tell the owners that all their dogs will do jumping dicks. <laughs> like a Pilates. Yeah, I don't know, it sounds like worse than pet grooming. There's a Pilates studio here in Quito that says. There's a neon sign that says, be a badass with a good ass. <laughs> nice. Branding. Ecuadorian branding coming along. I'll leave you with that quote. <laughs> really? That's what you'll leave me with? Here, just give me, give me a few minutes. Do you, you have, should, do you have something else to share with me? No, you should come here. You're in, you're in Ecuador again, so you should come to Southern Ecuador. Okay. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So. Really I uh, appreciate you. Yeah, man. Talk to you later. Hey, Tal, amigo. Sorry about that. I'm just low energy. Other than that, I'm swell. Sweet, well, sounds like we're in the same level. Yeah. Is that a camping level? What's going on? Yeah. Oh, um, quick questions. I'm just going to fire away. Do you own a tent? Do you have a camp cooker or a sleeping bag? Do you have any of those things? No, I got nothing. I also probably would not be super keen on camping. I do have to think about Jack, and I'm pretty exhausted. Oh, yeah. But I'm down to hang out if there's hanging out happening. That is the thing, isn't it? Um, By the way, I'm recording you. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, (laughs) I love how how you took that, no questions asked. (laughs) 
Yeah, like you should preface that with like anything you say from now on can and will be used in you in a court of law. Yes, <laughs> it will all be used for consciousness porn purposes. <laughs> um, Nick from Master Market was like, let's hang out as well. And a mate from Loha called Kevin, who you guys would like. Yeah. Um, we're going to give up for him. And then Jose's like, let's meet at your house at two o'clock. Billy is Billy. He's just on roll patrol. He's just twenty four seven. Honestly, he's like Snoop Dogg, bro. He's like Snoop Dogg. That's yeah. epic. So I can come over then and smoke up with Bill. Of course. I just don't know. Um, well, maybe think about around two o'clock, which isn't too far away. Um, yeah. Because at least you could come to the meeting to whether or not we actually go camping. Because you know how it is. I've got to basically think of something. Yeah. And I personally own three sleeping bags, a two-man tent, and a piece of plastic. And okay. some mats. Okay, that's a lot. So I, I got some mats. Yeah, I'm ready to go camping. Yeah, I'm fucking ready. Do you know uh, where you're going to go? Because if you wanted to go on my land, there is a there is an old house with some pads and stuff in there. Dude. You may have just solved all the issues. Because we really just want to cook and like just get some shelter smoke yeah probably do a trip in the morning damn that sounds awesome maybe yeah. i will camp i mean jack could come i would be down for that yes but then i'd have to leave my dog <laughs> oh right right but but hang on yeah well that's what rini boo is for right yes but shag is not cool with that oh really he gets yeah. he gets pissed if you leave and he's just with her yeah, he'll stay awake the whole night and sit by the door. Holy shit, wow. <laughs> yeah, because he comes on he comes on every motorcycle trip. He like mm. he doesn't really get left behind that much. Right. Um, look at us, see? We're both like fathers with children. Right. I mean we can responsibility. Of course, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let my kid murder yours. But we could try <laughs> Today or another day, we could try to like, uh, I heard that if you stand like 10 yards apart and you walk in circles around each other with the dogs and they just get to know each other that way and you do that a few times, then they think they're in the same tribe. So it can, that might work. Yeah, I'm open to that eh, in the future. Yeah. Give that a go. Um, uh, but what was I going to say, uh, Nick? from Masnamaka, the soil expert. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, I just called him. So when he calls back, he's one of those guys that might have cookers and tents and shit. And uh, this could eventuate into a bigger plan. But for now, you should consider floating around town at two, which is like an hour and 15. Yeah, I'll float by. Um, And I'm pretty down for all of the things, just maybe not camping. But you guys would be welcome to do it at my land if that helps. How far away is your land? It's about a half hour from Yangana, so about an hour from here. Oh, no way. So you go south of Yangana? Uh, not not exactly. You know Cerro Toledo? Mm, yeah, no, but... It's a mountain. Like, you just go two minutes south of Yangana, and then you turn and go toward this mountain, and then take a different fork in the road. But it's like, uh, it's, it's very remote. It's bordering the Podocarpus. I think that's the ticket. Yeah, I mean, I want to show you the the place regardless. So if that works for this, great.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that'd be pretty that'd be pretty awesome, mate. Um Well I'll try and call the other guys, bro, and so therefore I have more of an answer because uh, you know what it's like organising a men's group. It's <laughs> technically one of them. Yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. So. <laughs> <laughs> True that, yeah. Okay, well, I'll come over and at least chill in like an hour-ish. Sweet, sweet. And uh, probably probably no ketamine. Are you? Have you been doing ketamine? Nah, I'm gonna, um, I'm saving what I've got left until we can find more because what's left is reserved for my wife for therapeutic. Mm. purposes because um billy can turn it instantly into recreational purposes right which like is amazing but uh it's powerful it's very powerful and um you know but it's good having a guy from the uk where it's prevalent and people have been doing it for you know a decade Mm. because you can learn a lot about it quickly through doing it with that person but um yeah yeah, in my research to decide if I wanted to do it, I saw a bunch of people from the UK, and they were saying it's popular there because people from the UK like to get fucked up. That's totally true, bro. Like, there's two sides to it. It's the most fun you've ever had, and then there's another side to it, and it's easily the most insightful thing you've ever had. Like, you know, this is coming from a mycologist. So yeah. I think it's really amazing yeah it is pretty wild that does make me reflect given your experience with mushrooms that you think this is so insightful because it definitely doesn't seem that way from just looking on the internet yeah well that's why you know when i talk to you about an experience with you because this is what i do with my wife i don't take any and i just give her appropriate doses for her Mm -hmm. and she starts talking and then if she stops i kind of go well hang on, where were you leading with that? And then she will just keep going. Mm-hmm. And so what it does is because it neuronally, like kind of what they call it is like neuronal avalanching. So it basically just seems to just put blood all through your brain and nerves are firing everywhere in every area at some point. Oh, and wow. um, the experience. So then it's like, the most advanced tool I could think of for verbal processing. So you don't even need that much. You just need enough to get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And then I've never seen someone say no to a second dose. Wow. So oh. that's why I find it so amazing because how many people will say yes to a second ayahuasca cup or another trip of mushrooms halfway through? You know, they're like, no, this is enough. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, interesting stuff. We'll see what the drug gods have in store for us. Yeah, man. There's no rush on anything, eh? Right. Yeah, I think mushrooms might be more helpful for me for now. I think overall, I think they're they're better because they grow neurons. Um, Mm. You just get two different things from each substance, Mm -hmm. and it's worth exploring both, you know, so... Sure. Okay, we'll ask the pronto then. Sweet, ask the pronto. I'll get into it. Okay, any last words for the audience, or do you want me to not uh, share this? (laughs) Thought you were recording, bro. Um, yeah, hey listeners, if you're not following Ramen, get into it. Awesome. <laughs> you're missing out. Yeah, all two of them missing out big time. See you soon, buddy. <laughs> See you, bro. Bye. Peace.
dude? What's up, dude? Hey. Happy Saturday. Feliz Sabado. Another fine day in Ecuador. We're both in Ecuador. Amazing. Yes. My recorded? Of course. Should have known. I have to go actually in five minutes, unfortunately, this time. That's good. I mainly just wanted better closing words from you. But, uh. Oh. Also, you should bring your dating service to Ecuador, man. Tinder is rough. I agree that Tinder is rough, but I don't think that shuffle would work here. Well, Tinder would be better in Quito. Maybe I should just come to Quito and spend two weeks dating. Well, you sound over the moon about that. I saw. <laughs> I just woke up. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Did I wake you up? No, you didn't. I'm just eating breakfast, but I'm like groggy. And I have to work and uh, starting this event at 1 p.m. Yeah, dude. Well, that's in seven minutes. I thought you were the working man. What's going on? Um, I am. I'm awake for my work. <laughs> Excellent. I saw Jose today, and he said that he, Kim, and some bros are going to go uh, hang out and maybe camp. So I think I'm going to do that. Who's Jose? Your former employee. Excellent. Yeah, I'm just basically trying to feel that life is worth it now and get get optimistic about being single. I've been pretty sad, yeah, for the past week. It's only been a week since breaking up. Yeah, man, that's rough. Yeah. Um, well, you'll always have me. <laughs> that's what I needed to hear. Great. And you'll always have um, your dog. True, true. True. There's a lot of connection now, especially compared to a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, great. I'm uh I'm cured. I'm happy now. <laughs> you got Eugenio? True, yeah, Eugenio's my guy. <laughs> Eugenio always has the best uh, reactions and advice. I told him about us splitting up, and he said, Espero un momento, espero un momento. And then he paused, and then he said, Para conocer otros mujeres. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're like on the clock. I can let you go. This was great last words. Thank you. Saludos y chao. Saludos y blessings. Chao. Abrazos. Abrazos.
I guess I should try Leo. The guy whose podcast this is. He wasn't having me a couple days ago, but I called him at work, so he might be more sympathetic now on Saturday. Saturday, November 4th, nearly 1 p.m. I should just make a ringing phone the new theme song of consciousness porn. Nope. That is all she wrote. No more 20s behavior of getting high all the time. No more 20s of consciousness porn. We are evolving. All right. Uh, How are you recording this? I'm recording in Audacity as we talk on speakerphone. Oh, how's the quality of that? Not great, but it's good enough. It's better than things we've done in the past. And it is 11.59 on 11.11, about to be noon, the high noon sun on 11.11. In Ecuador. No, it's 11 on 11.11. Yeah, 11 in Chicago on 11.11. That's even cooler. That's so weird. I never like comprehend that you're on the same time zone because you're on the same longitude. It's just different latitudes. I thought it was the same latitude, different longitudes. It's different longitude, different latitudes. I thought latitude was horizontal. Yeah, and we're the same latitude. We're the same horizontal. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait. Yeah. And we're different longitudes. Okay. Um, yeah, I might have had those mixed up. Maybe me. But um, but yeah, we're the same except for daylight savings time. Do you have any, what is your intention for 11, 11, 11? Well, I think I should save the intention for 11, 11 Chicago time on 11, 11. So we got 11 minutes to figure it out. 11. Yeah, you got to make a wish at 11, okay. 11. Latitude Chicago is 41 latitude, negative 87 longitude. Oh. Wait. 
this is accurate. It says Ecuador's latitude is two and longitude is 77. Positive 77? Measured. Is it positive 77 or negative? Yeah, it's positive here, so I don't, maybe I gotta use the same source. Maybe different things use different sources. It's just some like elementary school basic stuff I'm forgetting here. Me too. It's pretty embarrassing. I thought we could have just glossed over it and seemed smart, but you insist on us showing how dumb we are. <laughs> Low high is negative four, negative 79, it says. Negative 79 longitude? Yeah, negative four, comma, negative 79. So we're on the same longitude, more or less. That's what it sounds like. So I guess I was mistaken because, yeah, Chicago is negative 87. Yeah, yeah, okay longitude cool latitude's different so latitude is north south that's crazy no latitude is east west what we just established it's like grids does this what's the format of this is it saying the longitude first that's probably what it is it's like grids it's like like latitude like i don't know the numbers but like if it's like one then it's like everything north south on the one latitude is on the same one. And then if it's like one latitude, then it's like everything east-west of that is on the same latitude. Well, yes, but I'm just asking which one is first in this format we're reading. Is it longitude comma latitude? I think it's latitude comma longitude. Wow. At least I think that's what I have here. This is clearly a fire podcast. This is taking a lot of our mental capacity. <laughs> uh, latitude. Which is which? Yeah, so... Latitude comes before longitude. longitude, you're right. Yeah, so we're on the same longitude. Yeah. Okay, so... Four minutes in, and we've established I'm a dumbass. That's good. How is your life going? Right. You are, uh, you know, just besides my, my getting really into cartography lately, realized <laughs> nothing else. Just been chilling, nothing crazy. Been baking, been baking at home, it's but not not baking as we okay. once would have referred to it, though. Baking baked goods. Yeah, been baking some baked goods. Oh, uh, we had massive layoffs. Not massive, but we had 10% layoffs at work. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ago. You told me already, so but yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. That's not huge, honestly. Proportional to the stuff that's on the table, I would say losing 10% is not a huge thing. Um, should we even scratch at what's on the table? Financial systems breaking down. <laughs> You're like Robert Kiyosaki. You just believe the structures will continue forever. You know Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Oh, I didn't recognize it, but I do recognize the title of that book. 
Yeah, he's just constantly telling people to buy gold because the system is collapsing, and he's been saying that for about 40 years, and he has been wrong every time. It's been collapsing for 40 years. It's proven it can hold on a lot longer than one would think. So, yeah, so if you keep predicting this, but it lasts another 100 years, then oh, you're going to be like, see, I was right. If the ex- no, if the existing economies and financial systems are working, even in 20 years, I'll say I was super off. I already have said I'm, I was super off because I thought it was happening tomorrow. And now I think more like an over-under of 10 years. But I do think there are a lot of things that are unsustainable. In 2021, my mentality was like, yeah, it's happening any day. Any day the dollar is going to zero. Because of... Cliff High's conspiracy videos? No. You, I feel like you are strategically positioned to question and frame things in exactly the way that would make me look the stupidest every time. <laughs> in, in the most absurd ways. Yeah, no. I just, I don't know. I feel like predicting a bear market has played out. Predicting a collapse has played out after the last two after the resiliency of the last couple of years. <laughs> resiliency. I think that the COVID shots probably weren't good for people and the negative effects have been minimized for a long time and people are starting to realize, okay, it wasn't great. And so I thought there would be like a more dramatic fallout of people realizing they'd been fucked by capitalism run amok and people would be a lot more mad, but it's been a lot more gradual than I thought. So. We'll see. I don't think that's true. I don't think the like the amount of side effects have been very, very small considering mass, mass, mass adoption. It's more than you know, has ever been reported in the vaccine reverse. About 150 million people. That's a totally acceptable amount of people. I didn't hear the data you quoted, but we don't have reliable data. It's definitely been more than whatever data is out there is saying because the the vaccine adverse event reporting service it was more than all the vaccines from the past like decade combined but they also were deleting like a majority of reports of things happening and a lot was censored so it's hard to say it's hard to say all around yeah i don't know i don't have my ear to the ground on this so i don't know but it seems to be uh totally fine it's not it's definitely not totally fine and it's not just the potential for adverse effects of the vaccine it's also just like Pfizer saying they tested for transmissibility when they didn't and the clear aligned corrupt interests of media and pharma and government and yeah with with all those things with media with pharma with government with education i think they can't continue as they're going like the best case scenario maybe they can like slowly adapt and there's no big collapse but typically structures collapse and then new structures arise that's typically how it goes i think you are mistaking you realizing these things are happening with these things suddenly being more obvious and just happening now but these things have been happening since the beat you know for all of humanity yeah i agree and i also agree that that's what was happening functions yeah, I agree. Like I was projecting my revelations of these things being unsustainable onto the population and most of the population isn't there, but they're moving there. 
we can debate about the pace, but there's a clear move toward consciousness and people coming out of these systems. Like if you go back to like pre-World War II times, or I guess World War II times, maybe slightly after, the amount of like propaganda and like shenanigans are significantly more pronounced than they are now. Like corporations and capital, whatever you want to call it, were way worse. Yeah, well, they could get away with it way easier. Well, so to say that like it's like now coming to a head, like all these systems are now, you know what I mean? Like they're not, they're better than they've ever been, even though they're not great. No. Well, they rely on people believing in them. The dollar obviously relies on people believing in it and people's belief is changing like it was so much more extreme before because people didn't have any recourse they couldn't go on the internet or think for themselves really and now that's happening more yeah i don't know i don't know if the u.s dollar is threatened by that at all i don't think cryptocurrency is taking off anytime soon as we've seen that kind of the hype is gone now now it's all an ai all the hype is on AI. Yeah. I mean, there will be like central bank backed digital currencies and the systems of money will get more and more closely controlled. And then I think there's a split, as I've been saying this whole time, there's a split in people staying in those systems and people going and forming their own systems. And so I'm doing the latter. I'm rooting for everyone, even people doing the former. I'm not rooting for doomsday. Are you rooting for the new confederacy? The South will rise again, Leo. Our time this has been coming. Blatant. Southern Atlanta. Ecuador. Southern Ecuador will rise again. <laughs> we will make Vilcabamba great again. You want and to make we will create the new Atlanta, Ecuador. That's what's going on. What? Great the new Georgia. Or the new earth, at least, to buy the healthy animals that aren't being injected with things and to find the good land for food, for permaculture, for water, and to distribute that water to everybody and to build the structure of a new way. That's cool. Um, How have things been since the tumultuous relationship presumably ended? Yeah, um, the relationship is off. I've been pretty sad. We split up like two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Something like that, two weeks and a couple days. And then she was in Loja the last four days. I thought I would see her and say bye, but didn't get the chance. And then she's gone now. Today she left for a six week yoga teacher training. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in, in the lull between letting that go and letting the new tender prospects come or whatever prospects. That girl, uh, Rudy replied. I'm pretty hopeful there. Yeah. How's that going? We'll see. <laughs> she said, uh, creo que ya te enamore. I think I'm already in love. And Whoa. so I'm gonna move the convo over to Instagram and see. I'm really interested if it is this girl that I think I met before, because that was my last message to her and she didn't exactly confirm that, but it sounds like maybe yes. Like uh, I met this girl at this hostel, Selena Tena, and I think her name was Rudy, and it looked like this girl. 
and I thought she was super cute then. So hopefully. Pretty cool. Yeah, like I was telling you, I think a jungle girl is the move. You think what? You're really cutting in and out a little bit. Uh, I'm saying I think a jungle girl is the move. Yeah, what is up with the jungle girls? The fascination with the, ju- <laughs> the jungle girls. I, I think it, that. that sounds offensive. I think it comes from my history of taking care of jungle children. I've just always had a deep compassion for the people of the, the Selva. Yeah, you always worked with jungle children. Other than when a jungle child was eaten by a baboon and died. Generally, I've, I've had you know very warm feelings about the people of the jungle. I think that there... Yeah. I think there's like a a spectrum of connectedness, connectedness to nature, to the heart, to one's true self, to their fellow people. And I think this is something where people in Ecuador generally are more connected than people in the States, but in the cities, it might as well be the States. It's, it's like not, not really what I'm looking for. Like I went on a date the other day of a girl who with a girl who like wouldn't want to be away from a city and was into like bars and clubs and felt uncomfortable sitting by a river with me. So I think the girls from Tena, from areas by the jungle, they're going to be like very into nature, very connected and what I'm looking for. You don't think this is just like some sort of idealism that you are inventing in your head? I don't know. I think it's trends. I think that there are plenty of like great girls in the cities and there are plenty of girls I wouldn't want from Tenna, but I think these general trends hold. Yeah, I'm not sure. You've never been to Ecuador, bro. I've been to all these places and I'm telling you about the people. Yeah, it's interesting. But we'll, I'm excited to find out more about your adventures in the jungle. Do you think you'll move to the jungle? No. Warden is coming here in 10 days, so we're going to hang out here and then probably go to Thanksgiving in Cuenca with a friend and then probably hang out in Quito. Who's coming? Warden. Warden. Oh. The guy we talked to. He's coming back. I thought he moved to, like, Boston or something. He was in Portland. He was working on a dating app. Um, but yeah, he's coming back and we're going to hang out here and then go to Quito and then I'll probably shoot off to Tena and have some dates in a couple weeks. How Uh, long is he coming back for? He's going to be in this area just like three or four days. Mm. Probably the brothels are calling to him. (laughs) He's, uh... He's quite a dog, but he's working on his job as a dating app now, so I don't think he needs brothels. <laughs> it's, what is, is the app live? What is going on? I think, yeah, it's working. It sounds like a cool idea. It's called Shuffle, and uh, the idea is you don't swipe. You just go to a venue, and you have a series of five like semi-speed dates, and then you just follow up with the people you like. Cool. Yeah, I think it sounds like a good way to date better than uh, like swiping and dealing with a lot of uh, hope that is never fulfilled. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like during the pandemic, at least, the dating apps were pretty good. They're pretty fruitful. But uh, I could see how they wouldn't be 
now, now that people can go outside again. It's overwhelming, honestly. It's just too much of phone notifications. Yeah, it takes too long. It's not fun spending a lot of time on a nap. Yeah, or just on your phone in general, and that's kind of their whole thing is to get you to spend as much. You know, it's the spending time economy. Right. But I don't really have a choice, I don't think. Like, there's probably two or three viable girls in Bocabamba at any given time, so I can keep my eyes open, but in general, I'm not going to find anything without technology. Uh you gotta just skulk out coffee shops. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a bad strategy to just go approach people in the street, but I don't know. Tinder's going pretty well so far. We'll see. Skulk out yoga studio. I also am not like super ready for that. I'm still kind of sad. Like I forced myself to go on this date, but I wasn't, you know, really ready to go in again. The only way to do it is you got to go right back in there, right back on the horse, as they say. Yeah, and that's why I went on a date. But I think I'll be I'll be better in a couple weeks. That'll be when it's time to meet Rudy and the the fine Amazonian ladies of her ilk. The jungle, the jungle women. But they're rare. I mean, that's why I'm excited about this one because it's probably just like two or three girls from Tenna that I've found. It's mostly Keto. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know the yeah. That's crazy. You're going to drive just like six hours for a date? Dude, I feel like you don't listen to me. I told you the whole plan of what's going on. What do you mean? We're going to hang Is out for a few days. Then we're going to go to Thanksgiving in Cuenca. Then we're going to go hang out at his place in Quito. And then I'll probably shoot off to a few dates. Like, Tenna's three, four hours from Quito. He's got a place? Yeah, he's been living in Quito. Yeah, so that's three hours. Yeah. You said six. Wait, he's been living there? Yeah. He was living in Quito for like half a year. Oh, yeah, it's hard to keep track of all the places when you don't know any of them. Yeah. the context. That's fair. But no, I'm not going to just drive across the country for one date. I'm going to be efficient and hopefully have like a few dates lined up. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a good plan. <sighs> yeah, things are going well with, with your lady? Yeah, she's moving in in a month. Oh, wow. That's so even sooner than stuff. I thought. Clean stuff up. I thought that was like a summer thing. Organizing some stuff. Nah, we're doing it in a month. Sweet. Now's the time. Winter. I've been on the Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> you know, move shuffling stuff around. Been pretty, pretty interesting. It's so annoying. The people on the Facebook Marketplace <laughs> just like demand like store quality service from a random person. They're like, hey, like they don't tell me what time they're showing up. They just show up. They always want to like bargain no matter what I set the price at. I don't know. It's just very annoying to ask for way too much. They want videos of me using the stuff. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like a hassle. Um, but it's still fun. It's an enjoyable thing. Selling on the marketplace, buying on the marketplace. It's crazy. Facebook owns like a lot of the secondhand market. Yeah. 
yeah, Facebook Marketplace is is like the thing for getting a bike here or a lot of things here. But you're you're buying stuff too, yeah. or are you just selling? No, I'm selling stuff, but occasionally I'll buy something weird when I see it because it's like a giant garage sale. You could always find weird stuff, so it's pretty fun. I bought this twenty uh, year old Mac, like Mac Tower. It's like a giant silver one. I don't know if you can see it over there in the corner. Uh, the Mac Tower, the thing below. Yeah. 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 Is that's a that's a computer? What is that? Yeah, it's a computer. Nice. So it was pretty cool. I broke it in an accident and I ripped it up. It was pretty fun though. It was a fun weekend. Was that expensive? No, it was like forty bucks. Oh, so it's like an old thing that you just wanted to fuck around with. Yeah, but I think it's like really cool looking. I think it's like a classic early two thousands piece yeah it looks cool i didn't even know they made ones like that yeah i think that's like the peak i mean i guess they've gotten way smaller now so they would never need to do it but in terms of like apple design i think that's the peak nice it probably feels good to get rid of shit and clear space too yeah yeah it's been it's been good to just like free up. It kind of looks weird though. Like I get rid of stuff and it looks so bizarre for a little bit. Like it just looks emptier, but I think that's good. It's good yeah. to have less stuff in general. I'm going to become a minimalist. I'm going to give it all up and just have a robe that I sleep in <laughs> and a Game Boy and that's it. A robe? And a phone. Yeah, I watched a YouTube video of this Japanese minimalist and he was trying to get down to only owning like seven items total. So he got rid of like his mattress and his sheets and his blanket <laughs> and he just had like a big robe and he was just sleeping in the robe and wearing the robe. <laughs> that sounds pretty retarded. And that was pretty sick. All he had like seven things. He had like a robe, a mug that I guess functioned as a bowl as well. Uh, like a cell phone. Um, obviously, he was making YouTube videos, so I don't know how he was doing that on his phone, I guess. Maybe he had a MacBook <laughs> and like one other item. But a spoon, I guess. Or I guess, no, it would be chopsticks. But yeah, it was pretty cool. I don't know, man. I feel like minimalism is about not being attached to stuff, and it sounds like that guy is just so attached to minimalism that he'll give away his mattress. That's true. That's true. Maybe he's getting it wrong. But I don't know. It's worth trying. No, that'd be crazy. That'd be fun, though, for a little bit. It could be a good practice. See how little stuff you can use. <clears throat> yeah, women are possessive, so if, if your girl is going to be ruling the roost soon, you might as well you know, not give a shit about the roost. It'd be a fun uh, challenge if you made like a YouTube video. It'd be a fun YouTube video. Like I tried to live with them. <laughs> These are like all over YouTube and they're so stupid. They're like, I live like, you know, thousands of people live all the time for a week. Can I do it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just thinking like, have you heard about the migrant crisis in Chicago at all? No. It's becoming very prevalent. Basically, it's people from uh, probably Ecuador, but maybe Venezuela and some other places in Latin America 
um, that have been like emigrating to the U.S. and they'll come to places like Florida and Texas illegally. And then instead of deporting them, they've been rounding them up and busing them over to Chicago. What? And they just drop them at the Greyhound station, you know, in the loop. <laughs> and so there's just like giant bands of scared, lost fuck. Latin Americans wandering the streets of Chicago where it's 30 degrees oh, fuck, and yeah. dark out. Yeah. And they're just like camp outside of like the Targets and the Whole Foods. It's really weird. Um, so that, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about the minimalism video. Man, that's rough. There definitely are Ecuadorians migrating. Why are they doing that? Is it because Chicago is a sanctuary city? Yeah, and it's like a it's like a political stunt from the governors of like Texas and Florida mm-hmm. to be like, if you're making policies that help these people, how about you deal with them? Yeah, when they're at your front door. Uh, so that's been it, it's like it started out as just like a Fox News thing. I was like, come on, that's not really happening. But now it's like on the streets. There's just like ten cities. It's kind of crazy. Fuck. Yo, I feel um, I feel pretty I bad for all those people like now. The person. Yeah. Chicago winter. They're not ready for that. <laughs> it's just so jarring. Like you come from a place that's hot all the time, and like Texas is kind of similar. But suddenly you're in a place that's just all concrete and hundred foot buildings. Yeah. And it's, it's just you're totally alien life. Yeah. I, I don't know how immigrants who don't have connections do it. Because like every time I hear about family of friends here or people from here going to the States, you know, they have a huge network of family. And like that's how they, yeah. they figure it all out. But to just be abandoned in... in uh, in the U.S. in a place like Chicago, doesn't sound good. Yeah, I mean, if you had like work papers or something, you just start driving a taxi or whatever, something that has like a low barrier of entry for a job, delivering food until you get you know a foot in. Right. But they don't because they're illegal, and I think like there's something weird with like they're not allowed to if they want to keep their status like if you're like claiming to be to be like looking for sanctuary i don't know how it works but you're like not allowed to get a work visa like you can't be both you can't be like looking for a work visa and fleeing persecution so you gotta pick one or the other Mm -hmm. so yeah they're not allowed to work as far as i know in any capacity. Yeah. It's pretty crazy that so many people are doing that, going to the U.S., and I'm, like, fleeing the U.S., choosing Ecuador. Yeah, people love the U.S., man. Yeah, it's, it's like honestly those, very... city girl you want to date with. It's yeah. the ultimate city people. She would love the U.S., I'm sure. It's sad to see, though. Yeah. Because, like, I see so many Ecuadorians with, like... Yankees hats on and California shirts or NASA shirts and like they're so inspired by what they view as progress when I think they're sitting on everything you really need in life and just not recognizing it yeah I mean it's like a a very materialistic view of progress right I think like I'd be a lot happier if I had a car and a house or whatever I, I don't know I think it's wrong because I think they probably do a lot less there 
to live comfortably than they would have to do here to live comfortably. And like why trade? You know what I mean? Like uh, you have less stuff, but your your role in society, you're a you maybe middle class there where everybody has less stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you come here and you're the possible class. Um, so I'd rather be middle class in a place with less things for everybody than the lowest class. But you have like an absolute amount of more things in your possession. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. A lot of people here go to the U.S. to make money for a bit and then come back. And I think it's useful for that. Yeah. Because it's brutal here to work. Like most Ecuadorians to get by are, you know, working multiple jobs or working a lot. It's like $2.50 an hour is still the standard wage. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. Got a new president now who is chummy. Got a new president? Yeah, a new president who's chummy with the U.S., um, Danielle Noboa. Actually, the son of the greatest, the guy who started the greatest banana empire ever. And, uh, oh, that's you mentioned that. Yeah, because you once said that, of course, you know, we're not all on a sole purpose because some guy who starts a big banana company, obviously that can't be his soul's purpose, but now his offspring are guiding the Ecuadorian spirit. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And but... they're not guiding as well, dude. He is has like a partnership with the US with a lot of things. He's like making branding for Ecuador with US design companies. And he made a deal with the US to get military here. US military is here on the coast and the border with Colombia to limit the cartel. I think to limit the cartel. We'll see what they're really here for. But yeah, he's uh, I'm not a big fan. US military, he's selling what? Like US military spaces. Yeah, there's U.S. military here. Good stuff. So when you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. I mean, it's it could be good for people's safety. Oh, yeah. And, I know. I, I mean, like, they say they just want to keep the cartels under control and keep Ecuadorians safe, but I think the media just really exaggerates cartel violence and stuff like that and drums up fear porn and i think the real my real concern always is the government so i'm not a fan of more military presence here i don't think that cartel violence is exaggerated but i think that it's targeted like you they don't accost random people it's very much a drug war and they're yeah. killing rivals it's like gang or here in Chicago. Yeah. Like, it's not exaggerated, but you're not going to see it 99% of the time. But it's it's talked um, about, in maybe it's not exaggerated, but it's talked about in a way that it gives a feeling that you would see it all the time. Like, it says, you know, it's, it's a very limited thing. It's not just on random people, but in that limited way, it increased, you know, maybe 100%. There were twice as many assassinations or something. So they're like, gang violence is on, a meteoric, unprecedented rise of you know twice as much as before the population's twice as at risk and they're deeply scared like the way it's written about in the media is maybe not like technically an exaggeration but it's definitely giving a distorted picture but the u.s military is a hundred percent there for u.s interest let's not you know pretend that it's any and like anything else 
Yeah, I mean that's that's they're what concerns for me. Something if they're there, and that's probably to have a like launching point just in case they want to flex on some other country over there, or just in case they want to flex like on the new earth. Yeah, it's like if Argentina or Brazil, I don't know what their dealings with the U.S. are, but if they were to ever change, they'd be like, just so you know, we have military across the border. Yep. So that's it's what they're doing now. On a bunch of different places. What? It's to keep like a presence. It's to like project your power. It's not for the benefit of the. I mean, I guess you could get some sort of ancillary benefit, but it's. I mean, it's they a made a deal. Soft colonialism. They made a deal. There's definitely some quid pro quo, but I agree that the U.S.'s interest is, you know, exerting power. And uh, yeah, we're gonna have to see what happens. Uh, what's probably gonna happen is that guy's gonna make a lot more money. The banana emperor that already has a ton of money. Yeah, it could be. He's only president until 2025. Dude, we're about to get a new president. Or are you? You don't think Biden's gonna gonna lock up a second term? So the current polling shows a dominant uh, lead for Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine Biden beating Trump unless they cheat. And and the Republican primaries have been basically like non-events. Like nobody else has risen up to be anywhere near as popular as Donald Trump, which is hilarious. What about that Ramaswamy guy? Is that his name? I'm not sure exactly what it is. Vivek Ramaswamy, something like that? Uh, that sounds like Swami Rama, you know, the guy, the Indian guru. All right, I'll look it up uh, just so you can make me look a fool for a second time in this recording. I don't know what his name is, but it just sounds, that sounds unreal. Vivek Ramaswamy. I got well, it right. What's his name? You're right. Yeah. That's a, that one's on me. I was only wrong about longitude and latitude so far. I went woke with it and I was wrong. Go woke, go broke, as they say. <laughs> but Vivek doesn't say that, and it seems like he's got like some support, maybe. I don't think he has any anything near Trump support. I think he's their token guy. They always have a token guy. Mm. Just to yeah. show them about the racist party. Trump has really started something that's gotten out of control with like the MAGA movement. There are so many people who are just totally identified with him now. Yeah, it's a cult of personality, which is not great. Um, Because obviously he doesn't have anyone's interest but his own in mind, which is weird because you'd think if you were like a rich old guy, you would legitimately want to do something notable. I think he does. I mean, I think he does want to do something notable, but it's also is still his self-interest. Like he just wants to go down as like a legendary president. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He just loves himself. It's an ego thing. But you would think even still that like an ego thing would guide you towards actually helping a lot of people. Maybe in his mind he is helping a lot yeah. of people. That's what I was going to say. I think it does. Perspective of what that is. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like when he was president, his speeches, his State of the Union address was all about how the economy is better than ever and the numbers are better than ever. And that stuff was technically true. But all, yeah, I also think he's out of touch with what the U.S. really needs, like you're saying. I think like it's pretty, 
obvious to anybody paying attention, not even paying attention, I don't know, to just anybody, that Biden's foreign policy has been disastrous? Yeah, because he's a puppet. Like Biden, I think Trump actually might want to do his best for the U.S. and be clueless, but Biden definitely doesn't. Biden's definitely controlled. Trump's probably controlled too. They're probably all just puppet puppets in a puppet show. But I would, be, I would be very interested in how Trump would have reacted to the last four years yeah. had he been in charge. I think there would be less war in the world. That'd be crazy. I mean, that would basically be like a net Trump win, but. Would he like? How would he have reacted to the Russia-Ukraine conflict? I don't know if it would have happened with him in office. I think everything would be different. It's hard to say. And I got to pee. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm gonna do two. Yeah, so we were talking about Trump's foreign policy. You think that Russia would not have moved at all into grabbing that southern portion of Ukraine if Trump had been in power? I have no idea, man. I think it's a butterfly effect. But I also think, uh, like, I think Trump's probably a puppet. And, eh, maybe not. I think he was actually upset about losing and didn't plan on losing to Biden. So... So I don't know, maybe he's earnest, but Biden's definitely a puppet. So like the US interests are not being looked after by anybody now. Maybe they were in a skewed, contorted way before, but definitely not now. Well, I just think it's interesting because definitely the reason that we still have a conflict in Ukraine is because the US supports them to not accept any peace treaties. Uh-huh. Like the U.S. rejects peace deals in Ukraine until Russia gives back everything going back to 2006 or whenever, oh. no, 2012. Oh, wow. Whenever the Obama administration lost like Crimea. Okay. So their stance is we will support you until they give back everything they've taken in the last 20 years. Wow, so that's like that seems more extreme than just we'll support you until you get back to where you were before the invasion. So it's like an intentional situation. Like they're purposely setting impossible demands. Yeah. To basically fuck the Russian economy because it's a political rival. And it's it's working. But, you know, they don't care who dies in the process. Yeah. Um and then likewise in the Middle East. Yeah. I heard they were bro- I heard they were brokering a nuclear deal between Saudi and Israel. And the reason that Hamas attacked Israel is to jeopardize that deal. Okay. Uh-huh. Because that deal would put Saudi at like the head of the Arab world, which is currently Iran. So it's like Iran oh. trying to project their power oh. on the region. Yeah, okay. Um, which obviously Trump is the one that like canceled the Iran nuclear deal that Obama had made. Yeah. Which would have potentially kept them from, you know, sponsoring an attack on Israel. So it's all, mm. who knows? It's yeah. all 4D chess over there. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely am not saying I believe it would be better with Trump. It could be, but who knows? 
Mm. I feel like he would have sued for peace in Ukraine like immediately and just given up the newly ceded land. And the but I just don't know how that would that probably strengthen Russia in the future. So I don't know how that would play out in the next twenty years, even though there'd be peace right now. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like I've said, I think the next 20 years, there's guaranteed chaos. I don't know if it'll be World War Three or something else. What? Why? I mean, you can guarantee chaos at any moment in history. That's not a bold prediction. I mean, it's degrees. I think it'll be a lot more than you're anticipating. You're doing a Nostradamus, like something bad's going to happen in the future. Oh, shit, that guy was a good prophet. I'm not trying to be a prophet. You're just a hater, dude. You're just attacking me, attacking me, attacking me. Of course. I'm a Joe Biden centrist diehard, and you're threatening my way of life (laughs) with your pessimist. What's the opposite of globalist agenda? Bro, I'm buying land all over. I'm buying land all over Ecuador and combining people together so that we can regenerate the soil and do permaculture and give food and water and a great life for everyone into the future. How am I a pessimist? Damn, sounds like you're a globalist. I am in a sense. I'm not in. I'm not a globalist in the sense that Klaus Schwab is, but I do think there's going to be a globally connected unity consciousness in the future. Do you think Alex Jones would accept or deny you as a friend? <laughs> Interesting question. I would. I would. I mean, you guys have a lot of similar beliefs, but you are a globalist, and he's not. I think he might accept me. I don't think I could accept him. The dude is like, I think he'd be extremely annoying to be around. He'd be very fun to be around for two hours and then extremely annoying thereafter. I agree. I mean, any, any one of your drunk friends eventually gets too drunk and you want him to go home and he won't. Right. That's Alex Jones. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I think like resisting globalism with nationalism is short-sighted. I think eventually these arbitrary lines we've drawn all around the world are going to have to fade, and we're going to have to get realistic about who we are as a species and what the real boundaries are. So that's a, there's a bold prediction for you. No more country lines in say thirty years. That's not that bold, but in thirty years is super bold, but. I mean, it's like every single sci-fi of the future has Earth as one entity yeah. because they introduce like other planets. Yeah. So it's always, it's usually like Earth, like a US-centric Earth where everybody speaks English. Yeah. But that's also for the convenience of movies. Right. I do think it'll be like West-centric. I think one thing that'll happen is a divide between East and West where... Like the West is aware of the trappings of technology because we were around as it as it grew and developed. So there's a like a wariness of technology that will lead people in the West, I think, to embrace a natural way of life. Whereas in like the old homes of spirituality, like India, people are not ready for it and they're just going to get sucked into metaverses and such. How about AI? AI is coming. What do you think of that? I think AI is going to turn into a false god that people are pressured into worshiping. AI combined with the earth 
like calling it Gaia, it'll be like a false god that tries to convince humanity to be a slave species. Sounds good to me. We compute every single outcome and always pick the best outcome and govern. That'd be great. Be the ideal government. So you're in. I'm in. I'm all in for technocracy. Technotopia. It'll be interesting to see. You ban the killer whales that attack random ships as a gang and sink them? No, that's epic though. Yes, like I'm, I'm big on Team Killer Whale. Interesting. So you're big into technocracy that'll make violence impossible, but you're you're also big into killer whales. Yeah, I don't think those two things contradict each other. You're These are both anti-human agendas. Ah, okay. They're not anti-violence agendas. They're anti-human agendas. And you're anti-human. 100%. I think we've done enough. It's uh-huh. time, to, time to take that back. You sound like uh, Yuval, what's the guy's name? Yuval, I don't remember his name, Narari or something. Klaus Schwab's right-hand man who says the era of evolution being led by humans is done. Sounds like a smart guy. I don't know who that is, but Dude, sounds like a smart guy to me. He's the right hand of Klaus Schwab, and he's a teacher within the Goinko organization, like I was telling you about. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. (laughs) I think humans have nothing left to teach anyone once the computers can do it, can compile it all. Uh Uh-huh. And we're soon, we're soon from that point. Yeah, we'll see. It might be a bit before we can do another proper podcast because I don't have a mic still. So maybe next time we talk, we'll see how this is unfolding. I'm definitely team human. It'll be sad to see you go. Sad to see me go not human? Yeah. I was kind of of into being boys with you, you know, like we're we're friends, we're humans. I'm not doing the neural link. You can do the neural link. That's not me. Oh. But you said you're anti-human. You said you're you're super into, you know, technology leading the way here from here on. Yeah, for most people, I'm an exception. Oh, okay. (laughs) I just think ninety percent of other people, you know, can't be trusted with anything. Ah, yeah. The conceit, the contempt, the superiority complex. I think we should have uh, tests to see who's allowed to vote based on standardized testing. <laughs> uh, I think we should control who owns land. You know, I'm just all for like a very strict authoritarian computer-based society. I think if that, if AI were five years ahead of where it is now and the globalists were five years ahead of where they are now, they would be stopping me from doing what I'm doing. Be stopping you? Yeah. Because you're threatening the globalists? I will, yeah. Through healthy animals? Yeah, through a healthy way of life that people are more drawn to rather than their slave system. Dude, I don't think that... I think that you assume inherent malevolence when there isn't any. 
That could be. I think there's more just like a desire for control. So that's why I feel like the people in control would try to keep control by stopping people like me from buying a lot of land and creating an alternative. Like, I don't even think it's control. I think it's like um, efficiency. It's a desire for like efficiency and like creating massive global assembly lines that could feed everyone is not control. It's, I don't know, redistribution in a positive way. Yeah, but it's like, it's not efficient for real health. Clearly our like complex supply chains and food in the modern world are not leaving people healthy and vital. Yeah, but it's a trade-off. It's like, how do you support 8 billion people? And the answer is you can't. So you either support 2 billion in a healthy, sustainable way or 8 billion in a shitty way. I think you can, dude. I think you just need a lot more animals and a lot more healthy land. Like, you know that the <laughs> amount of cows... It's a limited resource. I mean, animals fuck. If we just had farmers buying land and allowing the populations to grow, they would grow. The U.S. actively stops that from happening and creates this perspective that we can't sustain all the people, so we need to eat bugs. I don't think that we can. Do you think we can sustain the current level of humans, yeah. especially those living in cities? Uh, yeah, I do. I think they'd have to move and we'd have to change the structures a lot. And realistically, as we make that change, not everyone's going to make it. But yeah, I don't think the sheer number of people we have is inherently a problem. If we had very smartly designed agriculture and living situations and we use land more efficiently, yeah, I think it's doable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many square feet of land that's actually usable exist versus number of people, but I'm assuming that's not the case because obviously societies in the past, you know, like agricultural societies had a hard cap that was a lot lower than the current population. I mean, a lot of that's antibiotics, but a lot of that isn't. Like famine deaths were a lot more common a hundred years ago than they are now where they're pretty much unheard of like yeah. all of africa how much of that can you farm up i'm saying most of it you cannot yeah that's true there's a lot of land in the u.s and south america i think the americas there's a lot of land so i think in the u.s the estimate is that you could feed like a billion people if you like smartly utilize all of the u.s farmland i mean just a lot more cows you can feed everybody no, cows suck. They rip out the grass. Yeah, they convert grass into energy that we can use. They're magic. But they rip out the grass, so you need to keep moving like, them around. With them. Yeah, you That's move them to different areas. But if you just have more cows, you'll eventually run out of grass. We have a we have room for a lot more, and they can move around, and it's actually good for the land. Like the land does better, and the plants do better when you have animals. Well, you have animals, yeah, but not cows, goats would be would be my bet goats only eat the top grass they don't rip out the root so uh -huh. grass will regrow okay uh, grass will not regrow where cows graze yeah i mean i'm not advocating 100 percent cows i'm just saying regenerative agriculture could feed a lot more people than we're currently feeding maybe not 8 billion but i do think there's a sustainable future and i think 
farming regulations and a lot of regulations in the U.S. like bias people into not seeing it where it's very easy to see here. And you'd still have to have the U.S. taking like a major role globally as a distributor of food. Nah, dude, the U.S. Um, is a joke. The next 50 years are going to be everyone in the world making fun of the U.S. This is not going to happen. If the U.S. is doing poorly, Ecuador is going to be doing significantly more poorly. No. No. But we'll see. It's not an issue. Well, I don't even know what you think it's an issue of, but the U.S. geographically is significantly better than every other country on Earth. Yeah, that's true. We've talked about that. I take that point. I do think like in war and in a lot of situations, the U.S. is in a good spot. I'm not like super bearish on the U.S. I'm just bearish on modernity. And I think a place that's less developed is going to lead the way to new ways of life. And the U.S. is going to be like not a leader in that sense in the future. You know, that's a bold bet. And we'll see how it plays out. We'll keep tabs on it. Yeah. This is what this podcast is all about, keeping tabs. First thing, we got to see who the leader of the U.S. is, Trump or Biden. Either way, I'm not feeling super stoked on the U.S. leading the world forward. Uh, yeah, we will. We'll see. We'll keep a score every time we log in. U.S. v. World. <laughs> right now, I think 1-0 if we're starting right now for U.S., yeah, hard to measure, hard to judge, but the U.S. has done great. It's just so narcissistic. It's manifest destiny, dude. Manifest destiny. This country is built on narcissism. What do you mean? It's built on individuality and narcissism. Yeah. That yeah. is a feature, not a bug. Yeah, I agree. The question is, is is that feature and this program designed to thrive in the long term or is it a grand experiment that will not go well everything is everything is both yeah yeah like whatever you're advocating for if it were to come to pass it would also have a rise a peak and then a catastrophic fall Mm. i mean i'm just advocating for a life in harmony with nature so i don't know if that's going to have a catastrophic fall oh 100 percent. how many cultures were in harmony with nature and then a band of warriors came in and killed them all that was during the 500 years of darkness we're coming into the 500 years of light what were the 500 years of darkness the uh colonization wars the last 500 years Oh, this is a South American perspective? It's God's perspective. I'm channeling God right now. I just meant like from a global perspective. Oh. Yeah, I think it's it's mostly South and Central America, yeah. And and North America, I mean, for the Native Americans. Yeah, oh, we had a, because it's November, it is now Indigenous Heritage Month. Yep. At work, so we had a guy come in uh with indigenous food and we had a food tasting that sounds cool was it like of the chicago indians milwaukee oh okay because you know chicago got its name from a tribe 
I think most of these places that were... Oh, no, actually, I think it was an onion. It was what the tribe called onions. Never mind. But either way, like, most of the Midwest. Yeah. 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 But, uh... You know... Ultimate... I don't know. Did you read that book, Empire of the Summer Moon? No. It just talks about the Comanche tribes and the plains. Uh Uh-huh. I'd much rather live in America than in Comancheria. What is Comancheria, their civilization? Yeah. Whatever, their empire. But yeah. It's basically uh, North American Mongolia. Like horse <laughs> tribes, extremely violent, extremely uh-huh. brutal upbringings. Like you have to kill someone, you know, for a rite of passage to be a man. And before that was white people, that was just other tribes people. So, yeah, not my way to organize society as nomadic warriors. Right. Well, I'm definitely not saying indigenous people were like living some idyllic utopia and were, you know, better morally or anything. I'm just saying that a lot of darkness befell their cultures and people. And now I do think there's going to be a turn toward a better way of life and less war. So what is the what is the Ecuadorian perspective of 500 years of darkness? And is that just something you made up or is that a real thing? Uh, it's a real thing, but I don't remember if it's from, I think it might be from Mayan traditions in Guatemala more than from here. Um, I think people here have a sense that something's coming, that the world's changing. I mean, like, you keep, I think you are very, like, eager to chalk everything up to just how things have always been. But I I think there's, like, a substantial difference in the last five years versus prior as to, like, how engaged we are with chaos. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I probably disagree (laughs) just take a point of disagreement yeah yeah i mean ideology you wouldn't be leo of this podcast if you didn't take that tact negative reinforcement character assassination that is your mo on this podcast (laughs) what is the character assassination it's, you're just always subtly undermining my character, man. Making it seem like I'm a loony guy who hates the world and wants civilization to collapse. It does tend to seem that way from time to time. I don't know what to tell you, man. He just quit the podcast, walked off. You know, just these questions that you were giving me, I couldn't take them. I felt that you were asking me the hard questions. You never asked Joe Biden these hard questions. No one asks Joe Biden hard questions. What he's he's eating for ice cream, and then you ask me about the government. Yeah, there's a big part of me that would like to come back to the States. Like, I'm going to get permanent residency any day now in the next few weeks, and it would be really cool to go to the U.S., but I think more of me still doesn't want to do that. You get to retain dual citizenship, right? 
Well, I'm not getting citizenship here, but yeah, I'll have residency here and citizenship in the U.S. Okay. I could get citizenship here in like three or four more years. Well, would you retain dual citizenship or would you have yeah. to give up? No, I don't you think could. I have to give anything up. I wouldn't. Well, maybe I would, but I don't think I would have to give anything up. Um, I definitely would if I had to. No, look, uh, what are you talking about? You'd give up a U.S. passport for an Ecuadorian passport? Yeah, this is where I'm Why? building. This is where I'm building my life. So, if you want to leave and like travel, you want to get five visas, or you want to just go? Like a U.S. passport is objectively a lot better. Yeah, it, it would objectively allow me to do a lot more, like travel and doing things other places. But I wanted to pick a place to, to build, and this is the place I've picked. I mean, if, if I want to like get a bunch of land in the U.S. and do permaculture, like I would be working with less than ten percent as much. It's so much cheaper here. The land is so much more fertile here. There's so much more opportunity. Yeah. So that's why I would choose here. But what would the advantage of getting a passport be? Like changing, um, like renounce. Your American citizenship. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not... I obviously don't want to renounce my American citizenship. I'm just saying I would choose here over the U.S. But I don't need to make that choice. I can be a resident here and then a citizen here and keep the U.S. citizenship. Yeah, places like Japan, I know for sure. China, definitely. Maybe the U.K. There's a couple other places that make you pick only one. Um, yeah, I think. So, like, I know Japanese people that have been here twenty years, and they're Japanese citizens. Yeah, yeah, I heard that with China, but not with here. Ecuador is generally not <clears throat> trying to like put a lot of constraints on people. They want to as much economic stuff happening here as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they're like, uh, in some ways, they're like a super red state. They're like very little regulation. And that has its downsides. There are so many fucking cars on the road here that would never pass an emissions test in the U.S. It's pretty gross. Yeah, but it's just like, okay, fine, you put stricter regulation on people's cars. What do people drive? Like, they just can't afford to go out and buy exactly, yeah. a car that's so yeah. You just got to work with have. Right. Developing countries can't afford to be so compassionate in their policies. What's up with Greta Thunberg? <laughs> what a segue. I don't know. She refuses to renounce Vladimir Putin. Or, <laughs> I don't know, I saw some video where someone's like, like a reporter's following her around and he's like, would you condemn like Russia and China right now for their use of private jets? Huh. I'm surprised that like she has maintained momentum, like social media relevancy. Yeah. I feel a little bad putting all this attention on her though. I think she's like a child and she's probably not going to be a fan of this saga in 10 years. I mean, or she will be because she'll get like some sweet job. Could be on the board of a something or other doing nothing for a lot of money because of the cloud. Which she probably, she's probably made a ton of money doing this. I don't know how, but I'm sure she's... 
Yeah. Made a ton of money. Donations, books. Yeah. Pretty cool. Greta? No, I should have done that. Yeah, you should have. Made a ton of money boycotting my school until they fixed the environment. Just <laughs> <laughs> crazy, unreasonable. I love that stand-up comedy from the Gen Z kid who was talking about how no one in Gen Z cares except her. And it became... Oh, I thought I sent it to you. He was saying, like, millennials, it makes sense that we're fucked up because we were born with, you know, the sky's the limit and all this hope and then learned the world is falling apart. But Gen Z just always knew that, so they they never had too much hope or expectation except this one girl in Sweden, and it made news for a week. <laughs> you think it's funny that, like, the 90s are really the peak of like prosperity and stability in the West and all of the media is about how boring it is to like live in the suburbs and go to your job. Yeah, that makes sense. I think like there's a correlation between material abundance and being bored with life or being asleep. It's just like people need something uh, to rage at and when they don't have it, they just rage at how comfortable everything every single piece of media that's like big and like fight club is all about like oh my god your life is so boring you're working in an office let's take down society yeah the matrix and then everything yeah yeah the matrix big one i mean the matrix also called this phenomenon with like that being the peak yeah which is pretty funny Mm -hmm. but it's just a of like what people are feeling in the zeitgeist yeah I mean, I don't think people are feeling better now. I think like as people try to fill their needs with material abundance, they become more and more like existentially depressed because they realize it's not working. I also think that there's just too much stuff now. Yeah. It used to be more exciting when stuff would come out because there would be legitimately leaps in technology or whatever generationally. But like the iPhone hasn't changed in 10 years. And there's just too much stuff. If you go on like Facebook Marketplace, there's just so much garbage. Right. Just gar- just new tech with incremental upgrades being pumped out every day or whatever. And it's just it's everywhere. You're just flooded by it all the time. Yeah. Agreed. But I don't know. But you love it. It's inter- It's just interesting. Like how much more can you make how many more cars do we need yeah yeah i'm interested too i want to see how far this can go like if you're not actually providing innovation in automotive why do you keep making a new car every year how many parking lots of just empty not empty but full lots of used or new cars i guess never driven exist out there yeah i mean you know that though just money it's just weird, man. I feel like everyone should just take a break. There's no one should work for like a year except farmers. <laughs> I love how you like <clears throat> spend 90% of the podcast pillorying my ideas and then you suggest my ideas. Uh, that's not the same. I'm not suggesting a new earth. I mean, that would be a pretty new thing for everyone to just stop and farm for a year. 
No, I think the farmers should continue doing their jobs and everybody else should just take a year-long sabbatical. Uh-huh. Just a halt on unnecessary production. Yeah. Yeah, My year-long meditation retreat. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. That It would be a new earth if everyone did that. Pretty easily. That would be crazy if everyone did that. Then we should do it. We would run out of room at the psych wards. State mandated, though. <laughs> I don't think it would go very well. I yeah, think... state mandated. Hmm. So if it turned out that most conspiracy theories are true and there's like orders of magnitude more dark shit that's been happening than we ever thought and the governments do fall apart will you just be shocked which conspiracy theories like if it turns out that like, celebrities are drinking yeah like children. the craziest ones like hillary clinton's drinking adrenochrome uh, yeah i'll be pretty shocked but the chances of that being true are point zero 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 one. So you would be like shocked. That's such an of course, yeah, everybody would be shocked. That's the most absurd thing. You know, that's in in conspiracy. If the Earth was flat, <laughs> there was an ice wall with dragons behind it. Yeah, this is all reality shifting stuff. But none of it's true, and none of it is gonna be unveiled to be true. It's all silly. It's all fantasy. That's like when you were saying that Mr. Robot like predicted it all. Yeah. It's the opposite. I mean, Mr. It's Robot. No, Mr. Watching it and then regurgitating it as if it's reality. No, I'm talking about how Mr. Robot had masks. People were wearing masks, and that was not something you saw regularly in 2015, but they had it in the show. And then they also had eCoin, like central bank, not exactly central bank, but like corporate digital currencies. So they had a lot of the things in that show seven years ago that are now emerging. That was around. Digital currency has been around since like 2000. And yeah, digital currency was, but like, I think that was pretty ahead of the time in 2016 to say in order, like they, they basically laid out how like they're gonna make government digital currency to bring down the cryptos and that's not something I anticipated at that time. Like, if you're deep in tech, which the characters are supposed to be, that's like what was happening in tech. Like, people were buying bitcoins this 2010, 2011, when they were $300. Yeah, I know. But did people realize that the government would make their own digital currency at that time? It's like a pretty safe leap. Okay. If you're writing something. Yeah, okay. I still think the mask thing was pretty crazy. They also had a scene where the Dark Army injected uh, Cisco, the guy Cisco, with a vaccine that seemed to be like controlling him and making him do their bidding. That that like those ideas were not in the zeitgeist when that show came out. That's why I was impressed. Yeah, I'm not sure about the mask thing. I don't remember that part. I am sure. I'm telling you, you don't believe me. You you discredit me no, at I'm every turn. I don't remember what it was about. Like I only saw maybe the first three seasons so i don't know when they were just there were many scenes of people with masks on like the main characters would be getting into the subway and there would be people with a mask so that was kind of crazy that that show forecasted that yeah no that's interesting i gotta look it up i gotta look into it 
yeah look into the conspiracies I would love to just view the world the way you do because then I think I would come right back to the US do my orthodontics have a great time on the dating apps in California be healthy there for a few years and then come back here sounds great sounds good I, I still might do that but I, I need a little more wait and see time so you legitimately think like the U.S. is collapsing quickly, so you have to not be there when they eat the rich. Is that <laughs> no? Just a bit. No, not really. I think it. It's not just the U.S., but like the modern structures, economies, governments, and ways of life. I think will collapse at some point. I don't know when. And I think the places that are the most developed, like the U.S., will be the most chaotic when that happens. And furthermore, even if I know for sure, I've got ten years before that happens. I think the like there are cultural energies and shifts that make me choose Ecuador over the U.S. Like, I think being in Ecuador has straight up cured social anxiety for me. Like, it wasn't debilitating in the U.S., but I definitely like there's such an energy of like ego and impressing people and like performance in the U.S. that I think any given interaction there was an element of like being performative or thinking about what I'm going to say or worrying about how I'm perceived. And here, that's just gone. Um, how many people in like the 50s, 60s, maybe 70s, maybe even 80s, probably 80s because of Reagan, predicted that there would be a nuclear war with Russia, that the world was coming to an end. They built out a basement and they sat in their basement and they just wasted 40, 50 years of their lives just waiting for it to happen in their basement and nothing happened. How many people did that? Couldn't be more yeah. than a handful. Feel like a lot. Really? I don't feel like a lot at all. For 40 or 50 years? Like, just for like preppers in general, just constantly prepping yeah. and waiting, yeah. prepping and waiting. Yeah, I, I don't think that's like a good move. It's not a good way to go through life. It's not what I'm doing. Like, I'm not, there's different senses of prepping, I guess. Like there are people who are prepping for their personal survival, like getting a year's worth of Alex Jones frozen food and putting it in their fridge and, you know, like getting a bunch of guns. That's not what I'm doing. I'm preparing for more than just me for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people at least to have a way of life in say 10 years. Do you have guns? Not yet. You gotta get some guns. Are they allowed? They are not, but I will do what I need to do to be prepared to protect a good way of life for people. Hell yeah. It's gonna be like a wild, wild country. I, yeah, I watched that, I rewatched that recently, and I do think there's a lot to learn there. They took a very bold approach. <laughs> You're like, I like, I like where this is headed, I'm gonna do this. No, dude, they did it in such a unintelligent way. Like they were relying on the U.S. to be of integrity and like stand by their constitution and protect their religious freedom when they moved into a town and just like railroaded the culture that already existed there. It was a crazy thing to do. But I do think you got to learn from others' mistakes. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe don't be as aggressive as Sheila. <laughs>
cousin to give her some of my things. All right. As like my trek towards minimalism. How many more things you got to get rid of until you're down to seven? Uh, hundreds. A lot, <laughs> a lot to let go of. Hundreds of things. You got so, this. We'll see. Cool. It's good to see right. you. You look, uh, you look more healthy and vital. I feel like the more time you're sober, I guess. I think it's maybe the the way those sunbeams are hitting me. That could look be. Look at this. You look very godlike. Ray. Yeah, El Rey, the rays. Must mean I'm onto something. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I should, uh, I should <laughs> screenshot this. It's like a Soviet, like work poster. Leo looking majestic. Those old propaganda posters. Yeah. Maybe we can start working on those for the new earth. Yeah, be good. Remember, freedom through labor. The children yearn for the mines. <laughs> Did you see that child was dressed in like a uniform? As a like child labor looked cool as fuck. Yeah, that was so fucked up, right? That was hilarious. <laughs> I agree. All right, dude. I'll catch you later. Take it easy. Peace. Uh, letting go of all the stuff. Leo letting go of <clears throat> all the trappings of materialism and me letting go of what do you think? No, I haven't smoked cannabis today, but I did smoke a tobacco and I have one more now. I definitely need to let go of cannabis because cannabis makes me feel like everything's fine slash everything's stupid. So there's nothing I need to do, but I do want to do a lot. I want to have a life worth living and care about that life and not use a crutch to feel all right. So clearly need to let go of cannabis. Tobacco also, crazy compulsive addiction not good for the lungs. So I need to let go of that. And usually when I smoke tobacco, I'm in touch with feeling shitty after in my body. And then I want to smoke cannabis. <sighs> that has been what has happened a lot of times. Anyway, why am I talking? I'm just talking to myself. What's the point of that? So. I appreciate Leo witnessing so many of these moments, but um, yeah, obviously these moments and recording them on the podcast haven't worked for them to be what I want them to be. So trying something new. It's fucking depressing. This being an issue for 
almost almost five years really like four years with cannabis and year and a half with tobacco so yeah that's a long time to be viewing this as an issue and every time I get clean I go back thinking I can control it and just do a bit but it's never happened I have to admit that I have a weakness here I have to admit that for me for a while for a long time at least like a year I need just a zero smoking policy and I need to not use that justification to start again because it's not worth it at this point like it's not worth the risk the risk is adding on to years of being stuck and there's been growth and progress and stuff during those years it hasn't just been a black hole but I've been incapacitating myself for those years and given what I'm capable of doing and what I genuinely want to do as my higher self it's pretty I don't want to say tragic all as well and this is a little melodramatic there are bigger problems in the world but it's a big loss to to incapacitate myself that much and I genuinely want to move beyond that even if I need to not have some titillation and fun that I could have with smoking a little in a better relationship I need to just have no relationship now because that's all that can work now I guess it's similar with uh, ex-girlfriends just fully let it go and in a couple years I'm sure I can have a different relationship with smoking but now I just can't do it I've failed hundreds of times literally I have to take the L and acknowledge I can't do it right now and focus on my own energy focus on growing my energy over these other energies that have been clouding my energy and be consistent with that for a long time for however long it takes to build up a life I'm really proud of creative work that people are actually following and appreciating and valuing buying the land bringing the people together putting the structures in place be enjoying my damn life it's not fun to be addicted to something I want to be free I want to be free and I want my life to be as meaningful and rich as it can be so what commitment do I make I feel I need a long time to get over this but maybe not I don't know like I said it wasn't just a black hole of being solely addicted to things and once my own energy is thriving I think it'll be easy to choose that over addictions so it might not take a whole year before I'm ready to give it another whirl but I don't want to risk it I don't want to go back in another month or a few weeks and get fucked again I've been on two weeks after being off three weeks and three weeks as I've seen a few times even a month is not enough November 11th.
could say three months. February 11th. Because I could say the end of the year, or I could say three months, or I could say a year. I mean, I don't want to frame cannabis or tobacco as like such a such a problem that I need to be so vigilant about it and focus on never doing it at all for a year. Yeah. Like hard boundaries are always iffy and create that identification that I don't really want but I need somewhat of a hard boundary to get out of the place I'm in. So. I mean, in, really since these issues have been bad, the last year and a half, when I added tobacco into the mix, since then, I don't think I've ever gone more than a month, really. So even two months would be a pretty big win. I've also gotten stronger through that time. So, like I don't agree with the framing of addiction that it's like a downward slope and every time I smoke anything, I return to where I was in that downward spiral. I definitely think I was worse in the past than I am now. And yet, I do need to change this pattern. I do need to make a shift now and then never go back to smoking every day. Smoking unconsciously, compulsively. We only know now, and yet I also know I need to make a decision about the future beyond now to get out of the hole of my mind being hijacked. But I think it'll be easier to get out of that hole than it's been in the past, and I'm less hijacked and confused than I've been at the bottom of the hole before. So, yeah, I think I, am capable of going a month and then maybe having a better relationship maybe but i can't bet on that given that's not longer than i've gone the past year and a half and every time i've tried the past year and a half i've failed so i need more than a month i need at least until the end of the year ah fuck. i might need longer so easy to fool myself. Oh man. And I put those dots together on cannabis so it can be good to process if I'm relating to it in moderation. My challenge has been relating to it or to anything in moderation rather than obsessing over it and getting lost in it and <laughs> almost being brought down by it. But I can see that pattern with cannabis, with tobacco, with women, 
with shamanism, with meditation even, maybe you could say, just all these attachments. Less so the last two because those were like developmental processes where I was learning and not particular entities to which I was connecting. But definitely ayahuasca was something and all the different medicines and teachers and partners. Any of those things I can get obsessed with and lost in. So it's about having good, healthy relationships with moderation with all the things. So I know where I'm going. I also know myself and I know my track record of a 0% success rate returning to smoking and having a better relationship with it. So obviously I need a while off. I want to commit to something I'll actually do, something doable, and something beyond what I've done the last year and a half, a longer break. So. Let's go until the end of this year to start. And at that point, I definitely might want to go longer. But to start until the end of this year is 50 days. 31 days in December. Um, 19 and a half more days in November. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's a good uh, a good starting point. This shit really sucks. I'm grateful to a friend like Leo for witnessing so much of this shit and trying to, you know, be supportive in a way of stopping. And uh, I feel real sad about her. My girlfriend, Ila, she also is very supportive. A lot of people have been supportive and I feel pretty bad for all of them because having like an addiction monkey on your back just makes you worse to everyone. It makes the need and the compulsions for things cloud your judgment and your desires, so. I start orienting my days around substances and navigating life and situations and people the way I need to to get the substances. So like maybe being disingenuously friendly with the people who can help me get the substances at times and then just complaining about this shit, talking about this shit, having this shit going on, like on the top of the pile of what's going on so consistently for so long. I mean, I know it gets very boring for people. And I can't blame them for getting tired of it. I'm tired of it. And I don't want to be this burden. I feel like it's also kind of destroyed my credibility. It just affirms the notion that I'm a bumbling fool. And hurts trust in me, starting with me, I would say it hurts my trust in myself. I stop viewing myself as a reliable person and I stop believing myself when I say I'm going to do something.
And that's just a disaster for any order or self-respect. So that's the whole I've dug. I think in ways I've been coming out of it before coming out of the substances fully. But I definitely need to come out of the substances fully and come out of the whole fully. I miss who I actually am. And I think it comes down to the self. It has to. Because this disease will drive everyone else away. And eventually the buck stops at the self. I have to make a decision. I have to make a decision to let go of this small self hiding under cloaks of smoke and to do my best at life to actually try to move in a rhythm that is of me and what feels right to me and be productive consistently, face challenges consistently, grow into my bigger self. Oh, there's a colibri. I have made that decision temporarily many times and I feel how good it is when I get into it. I feel my energy flowing again. I feel really good with myself. And then somehow I keep going back. I think part of it is like just wanting the empowerment of saying I can have a relationship with these things without abusing them. But I have just not been ready for that and not been ready to acknowledge I'm not ready for that. I keep, like when I'm in the throes of it, when I'm beaten down, then I admit that I have a weakness and I can't tango with these things for a while. But then after three weeks, I'm like, well, maybe I could. And then I go back down. <laughs> so for a while, I can't. I reject the notion though that I need to identify as, what would it even be? An addict. I need to identify as an addict and never do it again and wake up every day and say, this is day one. I'm an addict. I can't touch these things. I think that's a bullshit attitude for people who aren't strong enough to face their demons. Like if you fully face the demon, then you can have that energy around or smoke once and stop. So my end game is not just rejecting it. I know that. It's also definitely not doing what I've been doing and smoking every day. So it's drawing a hard line and not smoking anything and not drinking through the end of 2023, at least. Ideally, I would go longer before I risk it again. Because shit, early 2022, I had gone six months without cannabis, and then this stuff started. And granted, tobacco was another layer of addiction that made it worse. But still... Clearly, I, uh, I have a lot of healing to do with this, and I need to be patient and 
keep this clarity I have now that I have a weakness and I can't fuck around with this. Keep that clarity when I'm feeling great after a month clean. And also, hopefully, when I'm feeling great after 50 days clean at the new year. If I can build my life the way I know I'm capable of by that time, I think my life can be so awesome and I can be so fulfilled and excited to live life that I actually don't want to incapacitate myself. So maybe I won't be there at that time. I tend to think I can get there faster than I can, but that's at least a place to start. And uh, yeah, I would make a longer commitment, but I want a commitment that's very immediate and something I really believe I can do. And I've gone a month. I've gone three weeks a few times. I, th I believe I can go 50 days. And I believe I'll be, I'll benefit a lot from doing that. So that's it for my monologue. I hope no one's listening to this three hours, more than three hours in to this, whatever this is, talking to the void. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Man. Wee. be without Jack. I'm so grateful for him. And where would I be without the plants? I'm so grateful for them. Jack depends on me. I'll never give up on Jack, but I do have to give up on these teachers that aren't really teaching me anything now. All I'm learning is uh, how much I can hurt myself. <laughs> And I don't want to hurt myself. I want to nurture me being and feeling and acting as bright as I can.
All right. <clears throat> so the goodbye to tobacco is complete, but I do feel like one more joint might be in order as I edit this and say goodbye to childhood, cope with adulthood. All right, so, you know, I went over to my guy's place and got two little jointitos and then drank a beer while I was waiting, had a good time talking to him. And on the way back, I realized uh, I want tobacco. So that was supposed to be the last tobacco, but, but that's the plan, the updated plan for the night. And for what could end up being the longest piece of shit podcast I ever do on here. Woof. My hands are shaking. And I'm feeling the uh, not so good feels after that tobacco. So... Finishing this up and listening to music.